Welcome to Hami Media Group, or as the cool kids say, HMG. We're here to provide you with the very best entertainment alternative media has to offer. Thank you to all our supporters who have made us what we are today. Follow us on social media, video, and podcast platforms at Hameen Media Group. Become a subscriber to Hameen Media Group at Patreon.com for great free daily content as well as off-the-top-rope extras. Subscribe to our affiliate Patreon channels with a plethora of fun content on various tiers that will bring tears of joy to your eyes. Vince Russo's The Brand, The Rip Rogers FR Podcast, Stevie Ray TV, Goldilocks, The A Show with Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, The Beautiful People, and now... The Larry Hankin Stories. Support your favorite HMG and independent pro wrestling talent at ProWrestlingTees.com. Enjoy the ultimate meal with Zordo's Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com. Start your day with the best cup of joe, bro. Try a fantastic selection of flavorful coffee blends at TheBrosters.com. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get off that couch and make a healthy change without leaving your home. Amazing resistance band and yoga workout programs at an affordable price that will help you become a band new you. Hear from the pros who live the biz, bro, with talent that have worked for every major organization led by the man who put the attitude back in pro wrestling and in your ear holes. It's got to be russosbrand.com bro again we'd like to thank you for joining us here at hmg and now it's time to be entertained Through the years, we all remember when we first witnessed a national tragedy. We remember the good times and the bad times through either a song, a TV show, a monumental sports achievement, or even the smell of a particular food from when we were young. Welcome to the show that will take you on a journey through time to relive those iconic moments. Welcome. RTW Rewind, where old school rules. So, without any further delay, let's introduce you to the host of the show, Rad Rob Rob Francois. Hey guys, welcome back to RTW Rewind. I am your host, Radicalized Rob, Rob Francois. I hope everybody's doing well all around the world, especially y'all right here. Hanging out early on Hameen Media Group. YouTube.com slash Hameen Media Group. We got Canada Spaceman. We got, uh, who else did I see here? We got Media M5. Media M5 is drunk right now, Vet. So uh, he was here early because I, I happened to put on Twitter that we'll be starting at 7. But I live in Central Standard Time, and uh, the rest of the world thinks it's Eastern Time. But that's, uh, that's my bad. Uh, but we're already five strong here on Hameen Media Group. The Vet returns. Welcome back to RTW Rewind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to put up with Ray this morning, but now you're going to have fun. What's up, Vet? Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Uh, and just like I said to Ray, I got to congratulate you on your great job on your Crown Jewel review. Uh, I really enjoyed it, even though I disagreed with literally almost everything you guys said. Um, 
but uh, except for except for maybe the uh, the women's match being not that good. Oh, yes, I, I'll shits. agree with that. Yes, horrible. but um, you know it happens sometimes. Sometimes it happens when you try too hard and you 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 try to you try for an A plus and you get a D. Sometimes you got to shoot for a, a a B with an A plus execution, and um, that's I'm, how it is. I mean, I get what you're saying, but as far as the main event goes, how was that finish not the perfectly booked finish for the story? Are you talking about the Roman and yes for the main event? Sorry, <clears throat> I I mean it, it's fine. It's fine. It's just fine. I guess it's just fine. I mean, yeah. what you got? You got Heyman throwing the belt in the ring, like right directly. I mean, how many times did they practice that shit? Uh, I, I zero mean, times, probably. <laughs> Paul, th- Paul's that good. Yeah, I, I just think, yeah, I think he's. A, I, I think um, it's just it's just what we've been conditioned to with like too much corny theater. Yeah, like the whole the whole thing was corny. Like, and I don't want to get into a mini crown jewel review here. That's definitely not <laughs> what I want to do because we got enough to talk about. We buddy. do. We do. But uh, I. I like for example, like we we've heard a lot of praise about the Hell in a Cell match, right? Right. And the match, the match itself, like if you look at the match in a vacuum and you don't know anything about what's going on and you just watch these two guys step in there and have a match, yeah, they did well and they had a good match, and I wouldn't want to disparage the hard work that those guys put in. But you got to think about the stuff that was supposedly leading up to this, right? Um, it's 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 stuff that can't be settled in a wrestling match. It can't be settled with a three count. It can't be settled with a. He was in the guy's house. Like you, there's no way you can pay that off. True. So you should not, you should not let your reach exceed your grasp, basically, um, and that's what WWE does all the time. Um, so no, that's fair. Anyway, that's fair. And and Goldberg didn't kill Bobby Lashley, even though he was supposed right. to. False so, advertising. Yeah, he failed. I mean, he didn't even try. No, he really ba- didn't. Basically. No, he really didn't. But I'm and, glad and Corey, what, Corey Graves, was there. What? Sorry, go ahead. What was what was there in that match? Kendo sticks. Kendo sticks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could. That's st- how you, you could, kill somebody. You could, you know, stab him in the throat with a kendo stick if you wanted to. You could, but I, I would assume that you can bring pretty much any weapon that you want, and that's what you chose. <laughs> like, and I, yeah. I and I understand it was the hurt business coming out, but that that's what you that's your choice. Like, you have a match where you said you're going to kill everybody, and apparently nobody in the company's interested in doing anything to prevent that or or anything except for advertise it. <laughs> And then you see these guys walk out with what people use, uh, which kendo is like sword fighting practice. So you use the the practice swords. <laughs> Where in the hell, in the context of normal human beings' lives, would those ever come up? True. That's true. I mean, they could have gotten Drew McIntyre's sword. I mean, that would have been a lot better, right? Uh, something, right? Yeah, that's fair. And Drew McIntyre's walking around acting like he's going to kill somebody. That's fair. But Corey you know? Graves but, was very concerned over over Bobby Lashley to make sure the camera checked on him to make sure he was he was not dead. Uh yeah. Okay. Well, I'm concerned that we're wasting 5 minutes on this shit. Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. Let, let, kick us off, Rob. What what are we doing? What why am I here today? Uh, cuz I like doing shows with you. That's that's why. Oh, thanks. Here. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. man. All right. Well, this was fun and uh yeah. I will see you next time. All right, you can follow him on Opinion Haver on Twitter. Um so uh we're going to wrap up the last show that you're on. Tie a little bow to it, as Conrad likes to say. You have a annex of comedy movies that we forgot to mention, or just yes. really ran out of time because there's so many of them. Um, what do you bring into the table now? Well, first of all, um, 
I got to give a big shout out to something that had a movie, of course, that we could mention and talk about. But really, it's just sort of been like the entire um, nexus of my comedy uh, education uh, since, since you know, pretty much childhood. And that's The Simpsons. Like, we didn't really talk about The Simpsons at all. True. But man, um, for the people that only know it from now... Uh, <laughs> It's it's hard to remember just how big they were at a certain point in the early 90s, and they didn't get a movie until like 2008. Which is weird, yeah. Yes, um, which I had a, a funny memory of going going to see that in the theater with JTG from Crime Time. Did you really know shit? That's pretty cool. Yeah, we we were like like he was like, man, I'm off I'm off on such a such a night. It's like, you want to go see a movie or something? I was like I was like, yeah. What do you want to see? And then we both kind of looked at each other and we both were like simpsons movie you know so yeah yeah so we went and we saw that and uh you know <clears throat> better late than never i guess but um but yeah man the simpsons is like like half of the stuff that comes out of my brain is just like recycled simpsons quotes <laughs> it's true you know yeah um it's probably so. it's the longest running <laughs> it's not the longest running episodic show because obviously that's monday night raw uh but it's <laughs> it's right up there uh it's been on since i was like i don't know 12 years old or so um another cartoon movie i didn't think of that's in in the comedy genre is beavis and butthead they were huge when that movie came out huge uh yes. and actually enjoyed that movie it's, uh, it's pretty funny it is a funny movie the the body cavity searches all around like that <laughs> robert stack doing that um part and uh and beavis and Butt-Head was like a big deal for that early you know like um if you remember liquid television mm -hmm. from mtv right and that's where you first saw like frog baseball yep and that other one that they did with the uh it was like a monster truck rally or something where they ran over a porta potty and a, a god of shit came out or something like that <laughs> yeah I um that. That and and that's also where you saw the first of uh, the character Milton that was in Office Space, uh, had those like little Milton shorts where he's sitting in the office, like you know, almost set the building on fire, like that. <laughs> that whole thing was on Liquid TV. All kinds of stuff was uh, great stuff came from Liquid TV. But Beavis and Butthead do America. Whenever you, whenever you have like a movie, the expectations are pretty high, mm -hmm. and it usually because of the production time it takes to make a film. You know, some of that stuff just goes like really like it's it, by the time that you finally got into the movie phase and you're ready to release the fad is over. Yeah, true. Uh, for a lot of things. So luckily that one lived up to it. It holds up well, I think. It's still to this day. I mean, I can watch it and still laugh. I mean, great Cornholio goes nuts. Uh, and boys, been whacking in my tool shed. I, say, I don't know how many times I said that to people. Uh, You're a government agent. <laughs> How many times have I told you not to end a sentence with a preposition, <laughs> or what, or whatever he said? Um, yeah. What else you got? Um. So let's see here. Um. I've got uh, now. Here's here's one. This it's a little bit obscure, but you may know it. it it's uh. It's called Gung Ho, and it stars uh, Michael Keaton. Mm -hmm. And it's about like uh, a failing auto plant that yes. gets bought by a Japanese company, and they, they come in, and you know, cultural hijinks ensue. A <laughs> um, lot of great stuff in this. Uh, I don't know if you are a big a fan of it as I am, but uh, I can't believe I left it off because um, it is one of my like personal, like diamond in the rough favorite type of movies. No, it is a really good movie. It's a, it's an underrated movie. I don't know if it would play well today with the Japanese stereotypes and stuff like that, but. Uh well the, with the, what, what's cool about it is the the even-handedness 
Like they they use the Japanese stereotypes, but the biggest stereotype that they use is that they're hardworking and dedicated to their job. <laughs> That's true. It's like, and then it, and by by contrast, that shows how we're all you know lazy and you know don't you don't care. And so it's it's a good movie that actually like has a message, you know, where you know some 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 people could benefit from taking it easy sometimes, and some people could realize that you know hey they're paying you to do this job, you might as well do it and do it right. Right. Um. Yeah, don't forget Night Shift. I'll forget Night Shift. That's not one of my personal classic favorites, but it, it, you know it's okay. Uh, um, along the Michael Keaton movies, I don't know if we mentioned Mr. Mom, but that's one of my favorites too. That Mr. Doesn't, Mom doesn't yeah. get a lot of play. You had it on your background uh, in the previous episode. <laughs> I probably did. You remember everything, but I didn't know if you just put random random yeah. movies up there. Probably or if they were all your favorite movies. I think it's just a uh, meme but, I found on, on Google or whatever. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's a yep. really good movie. I, I I can still go back and watch that and, and still find it funny. Being a dad now too, uh, I think it's pretty funny. Right. Um, the one thing I remember from that movie as a kid was because when I tried to watch it, I was a little too young to understand it. But I, I do remember like the scene where like the washer and dryer are like out of control, <laughs> like almost coming to life. Yeah. You know, like yeah. had a life of their own possessed type thing. <laughs> um, I do remember that. Um, another one I remember is uh man i can't believe but these are all like a little bit lesser known but you know big personal favorites of mine the great white hype have you ever seen that yes yes it, one of the greatest casts ever assembled for any film but certainly for a comedy film um and if you haven't seen this movie it is basically a, a parody of the boxing um w w w yeah the boxing world and that that whole like the whole the promotion aspect of it there's a don king type character played by samuel jackson called fred sultan and uh so like the, so it it's basically a satire of you know pro sports promotion and boxing but it ends up being funny because a lot of it's like really true it's absolutely true yeah yeah no that was a yeah. good movie i do remember that one yeah um that one um oh here's another one quick change with bill murray never saw it Never saw Quick Change with Bill Murray. Well, yes, write this down, Rob. Okay. Get your notepad out. Write this one down. Just came out on Blu-ray. Quick Change starring Bill Murray, Gina Davis, and Randy Quaid as three people that successfully rob a bank and then have the most hellacious time trying to escape the city. Um so it's one of the it's it's from that era before bill murray started being insufferable <laughs> okay. uh, All right. so you might want to check that out well the early 90s mid 90s it was 1990 exactly okay cool gotcha i believe all right yes very very funny stuff um another one in the sort of like the teen comedy genre i guess but way different than any of those was three o'clock high you remember three o'clock yep. high yep i do yes Guy is supposed to do a school, uh, high school like uh, profile on the the new bully that just came and got transferred in, and then uh, it, it, he ends up getting challenged to a fight in the parking lot at three o'clock and spends all day trying to get out of it. <laughs> just a uh, dude. There's so much good stuff in this. I can't I can't recommend this movie enough. If you, it's so nostalgic too for like you know when we grew up in that yeah. time. So we have that that kind of like all those kind of high school movies type thing right but and this one's a little heightened and exaggerated but it's, it's really funny i'll have to go back and watch it because i probably haven't seen that in 30 years oh man it was a really it's really good, good yeah it's still good yeah it, it was weird because you remember on dvd when they put like um like the john hughes collection stuff and they mm -hmm. put stuff like 16 candles and breakfast club and they all had like this 
you know, the similar packaging on the DVDs and right. stuff like that. And yeah. this was one of those, even though it was really nothing like those. And it wasn't a John Hughes movie or anything, but they kind of lumped it in with that. Probably just because the studio had the rights to it. <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's very it's very satisfying. Um, and it, it, plays a, it plays an important part in something that we're going to talk about later. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so moving on. Um, Black Dynamite, don't know how I missed it. That is a hundred percent should be on anybody's great comedy list. Yes. Um, I, I don't know how I missed it. I, it's probably because, uh, I lent it to somebody and it wasn't sitting on my shelf, uh, at the no. time when I was looking through my stuff. Um, but yes, Black Dynamite parody of the exploitation films of the seventies, right down to the, the bad wigs and <laughs> the ADR dialogue everything about this movie is great if you haven't seen it um and uh oh yeah so back to the 80s bill and ted like we didn't even talk about that's bill and ted's excellent adventure i can't believe that right and there was yeah especially with the uh the third one coming out you know yeah earlier this year which actually i haven't even seen yet did you see the third one oh it's garbage is it really absolutely yeah, it's just as bad as you'd imagine it would be um <laughs> i like the first one I wasn't great on the second one, but the first one for me still still holds up. I mean, and I love yes. George Carlin too. He played a great role, and right. Eddie Van Halen, yes. and, you know, just that's good stuff, dude. I, I actually have a Wild Stallions T-shirt. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome, bro. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's it's such a genius idea. It's so simple. Um, but it but it's great and it, it does hold up and that was like the world's introduction to Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Right. And we all thought like okay, this guy's got a he's got a superstar career now and he was just Ted the entire time in his career and now we realize that the, oh that's just <laughs> how he is. He's not he wasn't playing a part in that movie. No, that's him. Um but even now like when you go and you see the new one, oh it's just sad. Yeah. Like th this is you and you're still it's still sad somehow that you're doing this. That is yeah, and you know every time I pass a Circle K cuz we have a bunch of them down here in Tennessee, I always think <laughs> of that movie. Always. Strange things are afoot. Yeah. That's that's what you think. Strange yeah. things are afoot. Yeah. The Circle K. B media in the chat is really trying to get Porky's over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said I'm doing comedies, right? This like I I am not forgetting it. I'm forgetting it on purpose. There's nothing it funny out. about that movie, really. I mean, it wasn't like a, yeah. a slapstick. It wasn't. I mean, it. Right. It's people just remember the shower scene. Right. Porky's was when kids couldn't get porn, but we tried to get the closest thing that we could. Pretty That's much. what Porky's was. Pretty much. And there was a lot of movies like that. There's like a ton of movies in the 80s like that. Like all those 80s comedies where it's just about tits. Like meatballs. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. We. We kind of left those out of our thing because we're a little more highbrow, you and I, Rob, I think. Uh, you know, we don't have to lower ourselves to the... No, no, we don't. Trust me. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Colin um, would, but no, we don't. Colin might, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Colin, that's perfect segue because the next movie's on my list. Uh, he was chastising me for not bringing up, even though I chastised him for not listening to the fucking episode. Um, <laughs> but it, but uh, Orgasmo and Basketball from... Uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. So we did talk a little bit about South Park, the movie, I yep. think, last time. Yep, but we did. But we didn't talk about some of their efforts from before they they hit it big. Well, basketball is after they hit it big. And it wasn't even written by them. It just starred them. So yeah, that was much. kind of a, yeah. no, I like, a, a weird... I like basketball. I didn't. I, I have never actually seen Orgasmo. 
Never seen Orgasmo. Okay, well, Orgasmo is a much like Black Dynamite. It's a genius parody of pornography, where it's the same quality and acting quality of a porn, uh, like a pornographic movie, except there's very, very little nudity. Okay, like almost none. So it's it's like a rib. The whole movie's like a rib. Uh, it is it is pretty genius. It is their level of genius. Um, whatever you consider that to be. <laughs> Let's recap next level. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, Sorry, that was earlier this morning, yeah, Spaceman. I'll pass on that. You had passed out. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sonic Tesha says, nobody ever says Meteor Man. We need a part two. Oh, I, I did like Meteor Man, but like mostly the first part. Like once he got the costume and everything and it turned into some foolishness, I didn't like it. But it was cool like when he had the powers, but he was just trying to figure it out. I like that part. Um, did we bring a Major if- League? I think we did, yeah. We okay. talked about me. I don't know why that just popped in my head. I, I was thinking of baseball, or I have no idea. I think because it was basketball, it just popped in my head. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. Oh, no. No, there's nothing no, nothing to apologize for. Um, and that, that's really all the, the individual movies I have. You know, like, we, we, we kind of didn't cover a lot of, like, Judd Apatow stuff. Like, he's sure. done a bunch of stuff that got really big. We might have briefly talked about The 40-Year-Old Virgin, did we not? Or? Well, I don't think we did, but I, that's a fantastic movie. I, and especially Paul right. Rudd shines in that movie for me um yes. especially the michael mcdonald joke that he makes yeah <laughs> i'm gonna this place to the ground i'm gonna burn this place to the ground my wife still quotes that to this day it's it's her favorite line but yes and that was really the emergence of steve carell as well and um right i could still yeah that's a movie i could watch a hundred times and 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 not even care um i know you didn't like wedding crashers no um, i did oh you didn't no, I, no, 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 no! You chastised me for bringing it up because you're like, ah, oh, we're talking about early comedy, and it's like fucking, you know, 2005 or whatever. Well, I didn't, I don't, I don't, I would say chastise is a strong word, but I like wedding crashes. Okay, I, right. I always did. I, I was under the impression you didn't like it, or maybe just yelled at me because it was just a a more recent movie in the 2000s. Maybe that's how you framed it. Maybe you said it's one of your all time favorites, and I was like that, <laughs> but. That that makes it seem like it's it's not good, which it is. I definitely liked it when it came out. Maybe that wouldn't hold up as well today. Maybe. But well, the, the midnight rape at the nude gay art show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think people would be too into that at this uh, point. That's my but. favorite. That's my favorite line. Um, what about uh, like Will Ferrell stuff, Step Brothers, uh, Ricky Bobby, right. you know, Talladega yeah. Nights, all the, all that stuff. Yeah, we did talk about that. Okay, we, we did kind of. My memory is is very short. Sure. Well, just like Red. that's that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, but but speaking of that, like there was one movie that I don't think it was Judd Apatow directed, but I think he produced it at least. So it, it, it's like it may have got lost in the shuffle because a lot of times when I bring it up to people, they're like, I didn't see that or I never heard of that or whatever. Um, but it's it's a good one. Like, you know, I, I gave my little mini list of stuff that you can watch with like the wife or the girlfriend or whatever that they would like, but you'll still enjoy it type movies. Yeah. And that is the five-year engagement. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that yep, one? I do. I do. That's yeah. a good choice. Good moving. Okay, finally, media is, is coming in with Saving Silverman. Now, I'll give him that. I'll give him Saving Silverman. Yeah, that's um, a good movie. It, it's a little bit ridiculous, but, uh, you know, in the best possible way. <clears throat> what about the breakup mm. with Vince Vaughn? Um, not, not, not necessarily a comedy comedy, but, I mean, it had really funny points, like, the uh, acapella band <laughs> uh, getting punched in the throat by an elf or, or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's got some I, yeah, funny lines. I, I, yeah, I remember that. It was, it was all right. Um, I wouldn't put in my pantheon of classics, but... Um, I'm just I'm yeah, a Vince Vaughn, Mark. 
So it's just that's just me. Vince Vaughn's great, and 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 like we we talked about uh, Swingers yeah. and Made, yeah. and he, Vince Vaughn's at like a different level. But you know, then he got he kind of like he kind of got studio movie pigeonholed, and they just start True. giving him paychecks and having him show up, and he's. <laughs> He's just doing basic stuff that anybody could do, you know. But it's it's the it's those scenes where he like goes off on those crazy monologues and stuff that that that's where he really shines, you know. That's true. One question I do want to ask you before we wrap this part up and move on to the anniversaries. Um, sure. Are you a fan of comedy in movies that aren't necessarily comedies, specifically Star Wars, the newer Star Wars? Um. Mm. The, the new jokes that were kind of put in, you know, with Force Awakens, and you know, and I think there was even something in the second, the second movie or the, the episode eight. Um, you know, what I'm talking well, about like just little kind of, well, of course, one-liners and stuff like that, or making fun of like the dude in the helmet in the beginning of the movie, or whatever. I, I can't remember exactly, but you, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I do. I know what you're talking about, and I think it's kind of like a. You know, a lot of successful movies these days, they reach like a wide audience and a lot of them have a lot of, you know, they incorporate a lot of humor into them, even if they're not necessarily marketed as a comedies. But if you look at like the Marvel movies, which make all the money, um, a lot of those have a good dose of comedy in there and that's fine. And even Star Wars having a little comedy in it would be fine. Those movies are terrible, regardless. Those 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 last three, yeah. Um, and nothing could save them. So adding comedy doesn't really matter at that point. But even back to the original, there's like there's there's jokes and stuff in the original trilogies and stuff too, just maybe to a lesser extent. Um, but like C C three PO and R two D two are the comic relief in those. True. You know, it's just like I don't like you either. You know, like that. Yeah. That's that. That's their version of comedy, but. Um, it, it doesn't seem so forced, I guess, right. compared to some of the newer stuff. So I see where you're coming from, but the only, the only rule for comedy for me is if it's funny. Um, and sometimes they try too hard and it can still be funny, but just a little bit out of place. So timing's everything in comedy. Um, that is true. And I was going to bring up the Marvel stuff too, because there are points like in the Avengers where there, there's some funny shit in that too. Uh, and Ant Man, yeah. I mean, I'm a big Paul Rudd fan too. So, uh, when when you're right, when done right, and if it just kind of you know takes the levity out of everything and you know, like just kind of relax, because like there's so much intense shit going on, like especially in the Avengers, uh, to put a little joke in there just to kind of like ease everybody out. You know, I think it's if it's done right, um, and you're right, and if it's not forced, uh, it, it works well. Last well, question. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, just just on that topic, just to kind of wrap that topic up, but like. Sometimes you really do need it because it gets really hard to watch certain things if you don't have a sort of a break in the tension, right? So, like, just to use an example um, of something that's very popular now, not necessarily comedy, but just just as something that everybody can kind of say, oh, yeah, that's popular. This is in the zeitgeist right this moment is Squid Game, right? Mm -hmm. So Squid Game comes from South Korea. Now, I don't know the deal with South Korea if, if I don't know if all the art that we get is just the most fucked up shit ever or if everything <laughs> like that right. is is the most fucked up depressing you know disturbing stuff ever it seems like that's the only stuff that makes it overseas so i don't know if everything they do is like that but but just what we see right so like a a you know a big uh a big movie that you know kind of made some waves and stuff recently was parasite yep. um and the the movies from that director uh, juno bong 
Like he's done several films that I think are just absolutely fantastic, Parasite included. Uh, but he necessarily throws like awkward comedy <laughs> in there. Not that it's awkward that he threw it in there, but he uses the awkwardness of situations for comedic effect. Right. And he does that because it's just the the movies are so tense and so disturbing at times that you you just got to laugh, you know, like it's, it comes out of, out of nowhere. Um, and sometimes that's a way to use it, too, to break things up. I agree. So. Um, Media M5 is talking about Van Wilder with Ryan Reynolds. I was a fan of that movie, but actually I did want to talk about Ryan Reynolds because I was a huge fan of him on... Uh, Two girls and a guy in a pizza place, wherever the fuck it was. Two guys and a girl in a pizza place. Um, that was a great show. Uh, and that was really his kind of entry into, uh, you know, mainstream stuff. But I think his delivery and his wit is just fantastic. Yeah, you like Ryan Reynolds, eh? I do. The big Ryan Reynolds guy? And he's hot, too. So He's, he's, you know. he's pretty damn hot. Um, I'm going to say... I appreciate Ryan Reynolds for what he does, even though a lot of it is the same. This is in that same Keanu Reeves <laughs> sense. That's true. In fact, I, w- I would argue that the only time he's ever really put on a performance that's not that's like a non-Ryan Reynolds performance, and people would think I'm crazy for saying this, um, is, is uh, Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, that was the... F- now, people are thinking like, oh, that's the perfect part for Ryan Reynolds. But, you know... Really, I think he actually put in more of a performance, at least in the first Deadpool, uh, than his usual just sleepwalking through every single, you know, comedy line delivering right. and, and just doing his his deadpans and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's fine. Sure, he's he's great. All Ryan right, Reynolds. fair enough. Uh, let's get into the main topic of the show, which is the 40th anniversary of Raiders Lost Ark, the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter Two. And the 20th anniversary, god damn, I can't believe it's 20 years already, of WrestleMania X7, which many people claim is, uh, you know, right up there with one of the best. That and X8, I believe, is the greatest WrestleManias of all time. Uh, let's start off with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, were you born when this came out? Well, you know, um, I was. I, I was I was, I was. was technically born. Um <laughs> And uh, so, obviously, I did not get to see it first run. Right. Um, but I was able to catch it later um, <laughs> at home. Yeah, so. I was five when it came out. So I didn't. Uh, I caught it on VHS maybe a couple years later uh, when it used to be like $50 to buy a VHS. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> my dad ended up buying because he was a huge fan of the movie. Uh, and I, I wore that tape out. And most of the people here are like, what the fuck is a VHS? Uh, Google it. Uh, Google it, man. This was a big deal because, you know, Harrison Ford was pretty much, I mean, he did some other movies, but he was pretty much known for his role uh, as Han Solo. Uh, Mm -hmm. And to have a big, huge blockbuster movie like this, that's a pretty big deal to put. And I think, like, Tom Selleck was the original uh, member that they thought was going to play um, uh, the lead role. But they ended up going with Harrison Ford. And I'm telling you, man, that dude was printing money when it came to late 70s, early 80s. Yes. Uh, they didn't just think that they were going to go with Tom Selleck. They screen tested him. Like, there's footage <laughs> of him in the hat yeah. and the coat. Like, in the bar, I think it's the bar scene uh, with Marion in, in Nepal or whatever it is, um, where you see Tom Selleck and you're just like watching it, like, oh, that mustache. That would never work. Right, right. But of course, you know, we would have, you know, we would have just accepted it if that's all we knew. 
Um, but looking back now, it's it's almost impossible to think of like Tom Selleck doing that. Um, Harrison Ford was, of course, the right choice. But yeah, like it, it's it's kind of hard to to overstate how important this movie was at the time, uh, and especially now, um, just in the sense that like there's a lot of people that have never actually sit and watch these movies. True, but you could grab any young person on the street. And, you know, show them a picture of the hat and the whip. And the, there's a good chance they might say that they know it's Indiana Jones. Or if you play them the music, you know, the John Williams music, they'll be like, oh, is that the Indiana Jones song? Like, even though they never seen it. Dude, how good is that? Good shit. Who's a yeah. better composer than John Williams, really? Nobody. Nobody. At least in movies, right? Right. Like, no, I mean, literally, like, the most iconic themes of all time. And there's probably, what, 30 of them? If you really had to yes. just think just a, off a the lot. top of your head. Um, a lot. And, and, you know, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, dude, were just on fire at this point. I mean, that, those are two huge blockbusters, uh, for, you know, especially for... Uh, for uh, Lucas was part of that, too, right? It wasn't just Spielberg directed yes, it. Yes, he produced it. And, he, and, he and produced Lucas it. produced it, right. Mm-hmm. And I uh, think he came up with the story idea and everything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, like, it, it was definitely a collaborative effort. Um, knowing what we know about movies and how hard they are to make and how it's a miracle that any of them turn out good. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it makes you appreciate things like this all the more. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and before we circle back to Raiders, let's, let's, let's talk about how the franchise sort of went out. Right. Like, so, so we had the temple of doom was next yep. and that movie was set one year before the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark, so a prequel in a way, but not in any significant way that mattered, right? right. In fact, it actually caused more complications. It's like, what happened to Short Round in one year? Exactly. Uh, There's so, no continuity. Like, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and stuff like that. But uh, uh, that movie is, I think, almost single-handedly responsible for the creation of the PG-13 rating. Because up to that point... There was nothing between a PG and an R, you That's know. True. So is either that, that or Gremlins that push it over the line? Is either that or Gremlins? I remember, like around that time, that's when that rating system first came out. Um, but and it's probably sole handedly responsible for Kano in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yes, probably because when you're ripping dudes' hearts out and, and and all kinds of crazy stuff, eating monkey brains, like <laughs> like there's like like the the black sleep voodoo stuff that they have in there which like is that even india related (laughs) like do they even know what the cultures are that they're doing but but uh so (laughs) somewhat problematic again in this age if you want to but but it's still a still a a a great movie i thought i love it yeah. yeah a lot of people don't like it as much um and then later on we got the uh uh the holy grail india like like Indiana Jones on the Holy Grail or whatever it's called. Crusade or something. Yeah, yeah. The Last Crusade. Yeah. Last Crusade, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, what was I thinking? Uh, I should know that. Um, that's the first one I did get to see in the theaters. <laughs> mm-hmm. That I was old enough to see. And uh, and that was a little bit more of a return to form. Yes, you know? it was. Nazis are back. Uh, you Thank know, God the Nazis got, are back. Fuck. Yeah. She... <laughs> Oh man, we, we got to make missed that the 2021 Nazis. Indiana Jones. You know, right? they were right. God damn, they played such such a great part in the first one. I'm so glad <laughs> that the Nazis came back to, to pick up the franchise again. Uh, what did you right. think about Sean Connery being in the movie? Well, his character was great. 
I mean, you know, a lot has been said about that he was barely older than Harrison Ford at the time, but <laughs> but I mean, he played old he did. and he had so many like there's 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 a lot of great lines that he had uh in that movie that's just um you know, just amazing like, you know, when 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 uh when he's talking to like uh he, when they're in the plane and they're they're getting shot at or whatever and he wants his dad to man the machine gun on the back of the plane and he's like he's like three o'clock dad and he's like looks at his watch he's like what happens at three o'clock you know like <laughs> just shit like that i mean it, it's great um so i was into that what about you i mean did yes. you feel like he was a very good i didn't think he took away from all i mean because we got used to short round right we got used to him having a sidekick in the second one so it was cool to see like his dad, you know, kind of be his sidekick in the third one, uh, mm-hmm. and go back to the Nazi and then like the religious theme with the Holy Grail and all that. So I didn't have a problem with him being in it at all. And I, you're right, he did have some great lines. And fuck, it's Sean Connery for fuck's sake; he can do whatever he wants. Right. Which you know, whatever he wants is usually just uh, what James Bond. That one spot in Indiana Jones, The Untouchables, once and the rock, everything else, the rock is crap, is good pretty much. No, oh the yeah, rock the Rock. Good movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was all right. The Hunt for Red October? Come on, dude. Yeah. Come on, yeah. dude. All right. Too. All right. I, I'll, I'll give it up. But he did do a lot of crap. Let's, let's no, be he honest. Did. True. Um, so, yeah. So now, so now, and then, and then, of course, we had the uh, Crystal Skull thing in 2008, which Sean Connery was alive to do, but he declined doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so but that, instead, we get, uh, what's his fuck there? Who was hot at the time? Um, the kid. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. God, who can forget right. him? Um, yeah, yeah, and then the alien shit. Like, really? That's 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 where we're going. Well, now? it does make sense in the sense that they were in the fifties, and that's what was going on at the time, right? Like, that was a okay, fair, I, fair. Point. I think it. I think that the time, the time that they were in, the the time leap that they made from the thirties to the fifties. Like, I think they the tone of the movie was the correct. Um, yeah, Lizbeth saying the fact that we found out the do- we named the dog Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah um so so yeah just it 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 did fit the theme i think and i did like the movie in general there was just a few things they could have tightened up like i know they had a better budget for special effects than that true and i know that and and i and i think the biggest complaint i had was like just finding out that indiana jones has a son i think they kind of like glossed right over that (laughs) like that should have been like a huge moment Right. Um and they were just like, "Oh yeah, you, you what? He's my son anyways, back to the adventure." Like <laughs> I, I, time for that son shit, father daughter, yeah. father da- uh, dad dad Jesus Christ, yeah. I can't even speak. Uh father son uh, you know, bonding time. There was no time for that. We got to we got to go to the next adventure. Uh right. it, it's funny. I I had the uh, initial box set uh that was released. I think somewhere around 2000 uh of the three movies. And in the special features, um, Steven Spielberg mentioned right at the end, and we finalized a new script for the new Indiana Jones. And then it didn't come out for like another fucking eight years. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell took so long to get it made. Um, but, I mean, they were talking about that forever before it actually came out. Yeah. And we're, there's talk about this fifth one forever, and maybe it'll one day come out. Is there too. a premise of that one yet? Have they released any details? I'm... I'm not sure. They might have, but it, it could also have been rewritten a couple of times by sure. now. Um, you would think that they would have a continuation of, or a torch passing, um, but I don't know about how Shia's involvement in this is going to be. <laughs> I really hope he's not so, in this one. I don't know, man. Um, but anyway, back to Raiders, which is the main point. Like, yes. 
so this this movie was huge and i often say um oh, sorry that's well, for later well, well, that, that come from? i i often say hadouken is is what i is what god, i often say god bless you um, uh, yeah <laughs> my, yes my hand hit the roadcaster just just fat fingered it sorry okay um <laughs> yeah so i i often say like you know, people people pick their favorite movies and they pick the what movies they think are the best, and they, everybody likes to make top one hundred lists or top ten lists or you know that people love lists and they love ranking things. You know, um, I always say if I had to time capsule something like for Aliens, maybe Aliens from uh, you know Crystal Skull, for example. If I if if I had to put a, a motion picture, one motion picture of all the motion pictures that were made in a time capsule. Uh, to leave for future whatevers to find so that they can know what a movie is. Um, I would have to pick Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, because even though it may not be my personal favorite movie, I do feel like it is the perfect movie. Um, it's a perfect example of why people want to be told stories. Because if you break entertainment down, all it is is basically, uh, tell me a story. Yeah. Whether it's a song, a painting... Uh, anything um it's 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 a story that you either someone's telling to you or you interpret for yourself but it's a story and raiders of the lost ark has every element of movie making um incorporated into it in in a an almost flawless way uh that i would say like if no one had ever seen or heard of a movie um like i think vince mcmahon probably hasn't (laughs) uh, i would say this is it this is everything in one package here it's it's got everything um so, you know, what do you what do you think about that? I, I can't agree more. Uh, I mean, what scene has been parodied more than like the boulder scene with him like running from, from that? I mean, that everybody has done that, right? And like you said before about the about the outfit with the whip and, and the vest and all that and, and the hat. That's Indiana Jones. You know, everybody knows that. Um, even I think it even trans you know transforms into like this generation. I'm sure there's people uh, that have heard of that at least if their fathers and mothers did a good job of, of raising them right. Uh, I taught him about the older classics. Uh, it, it, it's a movie that I can still go back and watch now and, and just kind of get that nostalgic feel, but still be captivated because of the compelling storyline. I mean, come on, the Nazis, dude. Jesus. Right. And, and, and taking like, uh, just taking like the biblical lore and trying to figure that into like a, a, yep. a certain time period and making it make sense. Um, just like, there's a, there's a little bit of setup. And then the movie is like, Back to back to back to back to back to back set piece. Yeah. It's like the most insane pacing a movie has ever had. It <laughs> just goes from one action scene to another, like like nonstop. Like it does not give you a chance to to catch your breath, and all of it is is amazing. Like the special effects, the stunts, just it gives you everything that you could possibly want. There's, but it, it's funny. Like the comedy we're talking about, like there's some, you know, like the bizarre scene with the guy with the sword and, you know, it looks like <laughs> yeah. there's going to be a showdown and then he just shoots him. No, there's no, there's not. Yeah. Um, like it, it, it's, it's brilliant. But then again, the score, the John Williams score, like all that stuff is good. Not just the main titles, but everything throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had a, you had a, a, a female character that was, they showed her like, this was back before all this, you know, empowerment Empowerment, and stuff. They showed her to be tough and she was still in peril, but still tough, you know? Um, and, and like, you know, so you had your, you had your strong female, you had your strong iconic hero. You had your, your, uh, your villains that had no redeeming qualities, um, that you just want to see get, you know, you know, you just want to see the hero, 
um, give them their comeuppance type thing. Um, you know, I mean, what what else can you say about it? Like, you can talk, you can talk about this movie forever, and it, without break it down scene by scene, and people have of like of of just how amazing it is. Even the introduction, like you're saying, like with the, it, it's literally a silhouette. Like when you see Indiana Jones, you see the shadow of him standing there, and he doesn't yeah. say anything. It's the guides, and the guy tries to pull a fast one on him, and yep. and and pull the gun on him, and he whips the gun out of his hand. Doesn't say a word. Like he he almost doesn't say a word for several minutes into the film. Right. True. And it, it's just, uh, like, that's how you intro a character. And there's you tension know, that, built, like, right away, you know, with this, you know, right. taking the idol, right. putting, putting a sandbag on it, and it's like, and then he gives a little smile, yeah. like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, got oh, it. Shit. No, you didn't. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> just perfect. Like, everything about it, it is a perfect film, I think. And it, it's amazing because it's also, like, George Lucas likes to, in his movies, he would do homages to the stuff that he grew up on, right? Right. So... When he makes Star Wars, he's thinking of The Hidden Fortress, like by Kurosawa. Are you familiar with that film? No, not at all. Okay, so it's basically about these two guys that have to escort a princess in a uh, in one of those like you know those palanquin things that they ca- they would carry royalty. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a box on sticks and you carry them. Oh, like Macho know? King and Cherry. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, except like they that. sit in the thing. Like in the box, gotcha. and he would sit on a throne, right? Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, it's the same idea. So, so it, it's so it's like a it's like a story like where these these two are kind of like the the C three PO and R two D two, if you will, of mm-hmm. of their of their movie. Um, excellent film. Anybody that has not seen it should check it out. Um, but yeah, he, he takes it from uh and not necessarily obvious inspiration, and the inspiration for Indiana Jones and those ideas were like the serials of the early. Uh, th- I want to say 30s and 40s and stuff like that, where this is even before our time, Rob, but uh, hard to believe. But, you know, there was a time when you would go to the movies and it would be like this whole experience, right? Yep. Like you would get you would get news, you would get cartoons, you would get and the, these serial things that would feature somebody like, you know, Batman or or, or Alan Quartermain or, you know, somebody some something. And you'd like you'd see part of it, a short like a short film. A Flash Gordon, probably another one that yep. they did, um, and then you go back and see the part two, whatever the next movie is that you, that comes out next week. So, so it, it was a it was a serialized story in a way to get you, you know, a gimmick to get you back to the theaters, right? But it was very popular. So George Lucas was like, "All right, what if whole movie of these?" <laughs> yeah. And then that's basically where Indiana Jones comes from. So it's paying an homage to like an old style of things. Um, but it was just what you know. Even though I was just born, I, I can't be positive, but I think it was just what 1981 needed, um, and it, it still endures to this day. So I, I can't put it over enough. But um, I agree. And and the, my favorite line is uh, is this one. There's a big snake in the plane, Jacques. Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie. Reggie. I hate snakes, Jacques. Yeah. I hate them. Come on, show a little backbone, will ya? That's the comedy that's done well, like we were talking about earlier. Like, that's just the perfect spot. That's just my pet snake, Reggie. Reggie. Uh, Oh, of course it is. Of course it's Reggie. Uh, You like the scene, too, like where he's coming down the hill being chased by the entire native tribe. Yeah. And... and, and Jacques is on the he's he's like on the pontoon fishing and like he's looking at these guys getting ready to kill Indiana and he's like looking at him and back at the fish and looking at him and back at the fish like do I catch this fish or do I save my friend's life? And he's yelling, start the plane, start the plane, yeah. start the plane. 
Oh uh, man, so good. It was a good yeah. movie. Got getting to see it when they re when they did a re-release in uh, IMAX and stuff. Like it's it's really cool. Uh, it was really cool to be able to go to the theaters and finally see Raiders of the Lost Ark on a huge screen. Yeah. Um, but one thing that you'll notice, even all these years later, is like some of the, um, it's it's I guess it was just the way it was shot. But like some of the <coughs> scenes are like they're a little bit soft on the on the top and bottom, you know. Which I don't know if that was like a a, a direct aesthetic choice. Or if that's just how it ended up, but it it is weird to see it, like how how blurry it is. But other than that, you know, um, man, still holds up, still holds up perfectly. And everyone that has another generation to raise, as you said, Rob, you know, I'm sure your kids are going to be er- into everything that you were into because yeah. the stuff from today is just really not cutting it, man. Sorry, yeah, it's garbage. It's just not. Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise them right. Um, so moving on to our second topic which is the 30th anniversary of this. I mean, who can forget that, right? I mean, just... You remember the opening arcade screen of, like, the two guys fighting and all that, and the skyscraper and all Like, it's just something you'll never forget. Um, I love this game. And I was... I had a... Local bowling alley had uh, a bunch of arcade machines, and they would usually bring in some of the newer stuff. And uh, they had this when it came out, and I was all over. I don't know how many dollars I put into that machine, but god damn, Street Fighter was unlike anything else that we had seen when it when it came out. I can't believe it's been thirty years, dude. That's crazy. It has been thirty. That's crazy. Years. Yeah, it it's so crazy, and it, it's so crazy how. It, it much like Indiana Jones, but even to a even to a greater degree, it has not gone away. I mean, mm-hmm. Ryu and Chun Li are in Fortnite, you know. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the kids definitely know who what Street Fighter is today. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure you have a story of where you were, like you said, probably bowling alley uh, when you first saw this thing. Yep. Um, but before we get to those, let, let's take a let's let's roll it back a little bit. Uh, Street Fighter One. Obviously, if there's a two, that there was a one, right? right? Um, do you have any memories of Street Fighter One? Zero. Zero memories. Never played it. To this day, really? I've never played it. Yeah. Have you seen it at least? No, I should. Probably, I should look it up on YouTube because now I've never, yeah. never went down that rabbit hole to, to see what it was like. I just, I just picked up from two, and you know, I was on from there. Super Street Fighter, you know, Turbo Alpha, all that shit. Uh, no, never saw the first one. Did you? Did you play the first one? Yes. So, <clears throat> the first one was where my love of Street Fighter as a franchise came from originally because it w- there was nothing like it up to that point. It, like no- nothing quite like it. Like there were precursors to <laughs> yes, Sonic, Sonic not a is fan. right. <laughs> Street Fighter 1 is ass, but I'm getting to that. Okay. I'm I'm building okay. to it. Right. I I, I got to build good storytelling, right? Right. So so there weren't there, there, there wasn't anything that you would call like what we know today as a fighting game. There were little like hints of it, like Ray was talking about black belt. You know, having it's like transitioning for boss stages into like a side, you know, a one v one type thing. Right. And Karate Champ, if you remember Karate Champ, I love Karate Champ. Right, which which makes a cameo in the great 1987 film Bloodsport, which coincidentally that's the year Street Fighter One was released in the U.S. was '87. Kumite. Um, yes. Um, so 
Karate Champ was, you know, you took two identical guys with one with a white gi and one with a red gi, much like Ryu and Ken ended up being. Um, but uh, that was it. Like it, it was, it was kind of jank, and it, it didn't really, you know, it, it didn't have the the level of control that that we would, you know, come to expect from modern fighting games, right? So it, it was just like very, very overly complicated. Yet the game was too simple to handle all the complicated stuff they programmed into it. Um, so Karate Champ, um, and then. Uh, maybe uh, Yiar Kung Fu, you could say, as a as a predecessor. But other than that, those were like very generic and simple things. But Street Fighter One had defined characters that you had never had before. Ryu was in it, and Ken was in it. If you picked the second player, you know, like if you picked two players, you could fight against each other. But they were identical virtually in terms of like their moves and stuff. Right. But then you would go and you would face, you know, you would choose your country, either Japan or the United States. And then I didn't know what that meant at the time. I thought, what, am I choosing where I'm from or whatever? <laughs> so I just choose whatever. But no, it's that's where you go first. And then you go around the globe from there and you fight two people in each area. Um, and so there were like, you know, they had your... Um, when I saw it, they had the six-button layout that we all know uh, today and that a lot of fighters still use. Um, but when the game first came out, and I never saw one of these like with my own eyes in the wild, but when they first came out, uh, Street Fighter One had two pressure-sensitive giant buttons for mm. punch and kick. And how hard you hit the button determined the strength of attack you got. And as Sonic can attest, as he's played Street Fighter One and knows that it's ass, like it doesn't matter what button you push; they're all they all suck. <laughs> yeah. um, the only hope that you had of winning any of these fights against the computer was to figure out the secret special moves. Um, the fireball, you know, the dragon punch, the, the hurricane kick. Yep, there it is, right? And nowhere did anybody ever tell you these moves. They were, you know, like, yeah. they were secret. Um, so I remember playing the game and just struggling with it, but thinking it was cool because there was like a, a ninja dressed in purple that could vanish and throw ninja <laughs> stars and stuff like that. And you don't get to play as them, but... You know, just seeing that, seeing those like different characters in different locations, like they all had their own sort of personality. There was a guy named Mike that was like, a, a, he was like, a, you know, a, a precursor to Balrog, I guess. Um, and he had like, he had like taped up fists and a red t shirt and jeans, and you fought him in front of Mount Rushmore, you know, so, so stuff like that, like where they were really, um, the music was a little bit, you know, it's a little dated now, but. Um, I think the music tracks are, are some of them are still like really cool. Yeah. So if you if you go back and listen to some of the Street Fighter One tracks, like some of those songs are still badass. Uh, but so so there never been like a fighting game like that before to that degree, and it it, it was like a modest enough hit that they thought you know hey let's turn it into something else, and then I guess um, they started working on uh, a sequel that eventually ended up being Final Fight. Um, and they decided to turn Final Fight into its own thing and then do us do an actual proper Street Fighter 2, and that's what we got. And, man, there is a night and day difference between Street Fighter 1 and Street Fighter 2. <laughs> uh, let me tell you. Um, because, for one, in Street Fighter 2, when you try to do something and you know how to do it, you can actually do it. Right, yeah. In Street Fighter 1, it's more like a coin toss. Like... There was a guy that uh, the first time I ever saw a guy do a fireball in Street Fighter One at, at some bowling alley or whatever, and I was like, 
how do you do that? How do you do that? Like I was asking a little kid, like, like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, he's like, man, I'm not telling you, you know? And I thought, oh man, what a dick. But now I realize he didn't fucking know how to tell me <laughs> He just because he, yeah. he was just, he, he was just <laughs> guessing at it. Right. Right. So, so like, so now, you know, you know, fast forward to Street Fighter 2 and it's like a, a similar deal. Like people are figuring out the special moves, but they also had on some of the cabinets, like they had instructions for how to perform it. So that, that, that that's much, uh, that's already a hundred percent improvement on the original Street Fighter. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But do, so, so, so tell me, tell me the story of the time that you first encountered this, uh, this glorious, this glorious thing. Uh, so, like I said, it was at our, our local bowling alley. It was Bradley Bowl in Windsor Locks, Connecticut. And uh, I was there on Saturday morning for junior, uh, junior League. And I walk into the game room, and it was there. And it's almost like a like the light over. It's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, like, what is this? Uh, and I'm, like, watching the title screen and, and watching, like, you know, the, you know the, the, the fights they have in between. Like, press start, and they just show, like, you know, two uh, CPUs playing each other. And uh, I, I put a quarter, and I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, all right, I'll just pick this blonde guy. So Ken was the first one that I ever picked. Uh, and I'm a Ken guy to this day. Um, and I didn't know what the fuck I did. I just mashed buttons, uh, which, fuck, if anybody ever did that to me now, I'd probably punch him in the throat for real because uh, I hate button mashers. Uh, but eventually I learned how to, you know, I, I learned how to play the game. And when it came out on Super Nintendo, uh, I, I was all over that shit. So, like, that for me was my first introduction to any, and I think really for any of us, uh, to, like, a, a fighting game. Because, it, to my knowledge, it was the first. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was hooked on Like I said, I don't know how much money I spent in that machine, but they fucking raked off of me, man, because I, uh, I spent hours on it. Just blisters on my thumbs playing it. I would have loved to be able to have blisters and spend hours playing it. But it was a little different because the game was so damn popular, I never got a chance. Oh. And it was with that teenage crowd. And I'm like 10 at this point, I think. So, you know, I'm just like trying to trying to see. But yeah, so my mom used to bowl in a league. And so I would go uh, on the Friday nights that she would go bowling with her so that just so I could play video games because they had a cool arcade um, at the bowling alley that she bowled at. And I remember just going there and, you know, you get your money and then you, you spend your money and you don't get any more. So then you have to sit and watch your mom. <laughs> bowl, right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, you know, I, I was trying to learn how to like space it out a little bit. And then one day I get in there and there's like this mob of people. Um, and it, it's unlike anything I'd seen before. Cause there's never that many people in this bowling alley, even, you know, combined with all the people bowling and stuff. And there's just this huge mob of people. And, like, I, I can't even... Like, I'm trying to see over the mob and see what they're looking <laughs> at. And the line was, like, almost... The, the snack bar was, like, 20 feet away, and there was people standing by it. Like, that's how that's how long the line was to, to get into this. So when I when I get closer enough to see, I see that the, the top of the machine says Street Fighter 2. But it looks really weird because it's like a... It's like a bootleg um, machine. Like, <laughs> it, it was... It was uh like the only the only way I could uh describe the header, the only color I could use to describe the header is donut box pink. You know that color? Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it was like someone had just typed out in a, in some random font <laughs> Street, Street Fighter, Fighter 2 yeah. 
and and slipped it in there. So it was very unofficial looking. And the cabinet that they had was like one of those cabinets where it was like two two cabinets like fused together. So each person had their own whole screen and joysticks oh, cool. yeah. and stuff. So they weren't Yeah, so it, it was like it was definitely like a custom job that was probably meant for some other type of game <laughs> um that they that they slid a Street Fighter 2 board into and and you know, they were definitely raking in the cash. So I didn't get to play this game for God knows how long because it was always like that. Every Friday night, that was like the teen hangout spot. And everybody would, you know, go through there and, you know, just just stand in line, put their quarters up. You know, I got next type thing. Yep. Um, and to, to the point where future Street Fighter cabinets had the the coin, the, like an eight <laughs> coin slot built in right under the screen, like yep. a little plastic coin holder slot uh just for that purpose um and then so like seeing that it was hopeless i would just go off and uh, like play some other game and that's when i started playing fatal fury for the neo geo because <laughs> nice that was available <laughs> which is <was laughs> a good game too choice. i love that game right uh, right but it's clearly a it's clearly a poor man's street fighter yeah. so so um you know you settle for those type of things or or whatever and then i finally get a chance to play like at some different bowling alley like i finally look and see nobody's <laughs> around and i don't want to play because i know someone's just going to beat me and take my money so it's kind of like a waste of money right but right. finally nobody's around and i i put the quarter in look around nobody's coming <laughs> i pick blanca because why wouldn't you like it's a green monster guy like you got to pick blanca right big josh and, always uh, pick blanca big josh always pick blanca and who could blame him and then, like, so I'm playing for like five minutes against the computer, and then some guy walks up, beats me, beats me handily, and like I just sit there and I, you know, I'm not going to re-challenge him. Uh, so I didn't get to play. It was more like in the Super Nintendo when you were finally able to just take it home and have it all to yourself. That's when I really um, put the time in and got the blisters on, um, and just kind of never looked back from there. So funny story when it comes to Blanca. Uh, I was playing it at home with my best friend. Uh, we're sitting on the edge of my bed playing Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter 2 uh, on the SNES. Mm-hmm. And he knew how to play the game. Like, so, like He knew all the moves, but just to be a dick, he picked Blanca and mashed the, caught me in a corner and mashed the fuck out of the electric special move until he killed me. And I got so pissed that I punched him in the face. Oh, man. The old punch your friend because he just cheated at a game thing. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, he just sat there like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I kind of that's kind of a dick move, uh, and then we were we were good from there. But uh, it was a little awkward when, after that. <laughs> but that's well, how competitive no. I am. That's how much I hate people just fucking button mashing and and you know. Well, you know, so like one of the things about the culture at that time was that there was like there had to be like certain gentleman agreements for certain gangsta players that's like right. you weren't allowed to throw somebody or you might get shot yes. or stabbed uh, <laughs> that's right you know because throws were cheap and unblockable yep so you know you couldn't do that um glad that that mentality is sort of gone from today but you can kind of <laughs> tell like who are the scrubs and who are not by like what they complain about right, right. obviously if your friend tried to get you in a corner with electricity trap that would never fly today because if there's one if there's one game that you can't succeed in button mashing it's street fighter against a player that knows what they're doing button mashing just won't work right you know it just doesn't True. like everything is so scientific and precise it's like it's like a chess game you know there, there's games like soul caliber and tekken and 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 things like that where if you hit a bunch of moves randomly your character will do a bunch of stuff randomly independent of you um so it can <laughs> succeed to it 
<laughs> when you're a girl, you hit reset. We're a little more passive aggressive. That's true, Elizabeth. Um, yeah. I, dude, I remember what he did. Like, fight. He fucking threw me, hit the fucking double uppercut move, and, and threw me and caught me into the corner and just fucking messed up. God damn it. I'm still, I'm still pissed about it. Next time I say, he's coming over for Thanksgiving. He's, he lives in North Carolina now, or South Carolina, so. I might just punch him in the face again. And he'd be like, what's that for? Be like, Blanca. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, my bad, dude. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Oh, maybe you could challenge him to a friendly match. Uh, who <laughs> knows? We could settle, settle all this. I'll stream it live on Twitch. How about that? <laughs> hey, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Um, so, yeah. So, it was, a, it was a weird thing. And then, of course, we got all these iterations, like you mentioned earlier. You know, it was a success. And this is where we learned the Capcom's business model of, oh, you like this, right? We'll buy it again 50 times. Uh, <laughs> but it so, worked, though, right? Like... Turbo it, was it awesome. I'm, a, I'm still a big Turbo fan. Turbo was good. Then, then they added four new, uh, four new characters with Super. Um, and I remember, like, that was the first time I heard the word. It was 1993, and for some reason, this this sticks out of my mind. But for some reason, that was the first time I heard the word "tight" used in the lexicon that people use <laughs> it, where it means cool or or yeah. awesome or something like that. Like yeah. I heard people saying that, and they were referring to Cami. Uh, maybe they were just talking about her outfit, but <laughs> I think they were just saying like, "Yeah, she's tight, bro." Like, like I was like, "Tight? What do you mean? What? Who says? What does that mean? You know? Well." Um, so there was that, and then, then they had Super Turbo, and then that was like the last kind of Street Fighter 2 for a while, yeah. and it took forever to get to 3, because then they went to the alpha iterations, like I you liked also alpha. said, and I did, I did those like games alpha. were really cool, yes. all those games were cool, Street Fighter 3 came out, killed the franchise, because yep. they made some weird choices, and even though it's a great game, and a lot of people, like, hold that as the pinnacle of 2D fighting to this day, as far as competitive fighters go, yeah. the Third Strike version, um... At the time, people just weren't having it, and it was way too complex for them, and they had been waiting so long that they just didn't care. So, kind of torpedoed the franchise at the time. Yeah. Street Fighter Four came back in a big way in 2009, yep. and that was kind of like a little bit of a return to Street Fighter Two with a modern twist. Like, I remember when the game first came out, I just got online and started playing, and I was just playing Street Fighter Two basically. I didn't know how the Street <laughs> Fighter Four mechanics worked. I just picked the characters I knew and played like I always knew, and I got a pretty <gasps> decent... <laughs> yeah, a pretty decent win rate. Yeah. Um, and then as people figured out the game, you know, and, and be, that, that's when you, you face the online psychopaths of today that have nothing <laughs> else to do, then your win rate percentage goes down quite a bit. But, you know, nonetheless, um, and then Street Fighter V basically killed the franchise again, and <laughs> people yep. are very upset with it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Xavier you know, Woods um, was a big fan of that game, too, and Omega and all them. They like Street Fighter V. I don't know why. I didn't like it. I wanted to like it. I gave it more than a chance. I sunk a lot of money into it. And I just... It, it was something that they promised to be like games as a service type thing, where you support yeah. it over seasons and stuff like that. And I thought, that's a fine idea. But ultimately, what killed it was the the online uh, and some of the... You know, the, the presentation and the structure of the whole thing. Like, you, you the, the net code is terrible... So like there's and there's no way to filter it like um, yeah. Tekken Seven added a thing in there like it didn't launch with Tekken Seven but they added it eventually where you can see if the person that you're connecting to is on Wi-Fi or not so you can be like uh, peace like I'm not playing this guy right that should be standard in every game and should have been ever since online came out you should be able to see like look, I'm not gonna play this guy that's like on a Brazilian Starbucks uh, you know like connection. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not doing it. Um, so yeah, um, Sonic says, you know, you don't want it with me with my cami son. Uh, we'll see about that, Sonic. You may get me to dust off the games. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not too bad. Um, I even took it to the point with with Street Fighter Five. I even took took it to the point of being like literally competitive. Um, I there was there was majors that came to my city, and I went and I competed in. I didn't do great, um, but it did let me know like the difference between. So, <clears throat> so for example, um, I played against Infiltration. Who, if anybody knows who Infiltration is, um, he's an Evo champion in Street Fighter Four. And I believe he won at Evo Street Fighter V as well. So the year that I played him, he went on to win Street Fighter V, basically. You know, like whatever the top prize that you can win in the world in video games at it. He ended it. And that was the first time that I ever played against somebody in a Street Fighter game where I could feel the gulf of skill between, like, the players. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've been double perfected by guys um in the past that i had i felt like i had more of a chance against than infiltration he he it was like he he could have played me in his sleep he knew (laughs) everywhere i was going to be before Mm -hmm. i was going to be there and knew everything to do um and i was just like yep that's that's a korean guy for you um (laughs) they they will put in that insane time and even if he didn't even if i put in the same amount of time as him i would never have been as good at him as him at that game so i've played at like world championship caliber (laughs) opponents and stuff like that um and i I don't consider myself like a very good player but um when it comes back to the old street fighter 2 if i could just take it back to basics every once in a while it's fun to just throw the game on and just play through it um and just remember like a simpler time before they added in all the speed and the super (laughs) moves and the the different crazy combo counters and 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 like a million characters um I'm pretty proficient with the entire cast. I don't know if you always just stuck with Ken, but I branched out and I can play anybody like at a high level, pretty much. Um, I would dabble into Ryu a little bit. Uh, I use I like Guile. Guile was fun to use. Um, I use Zangief a couple of times just because of the wrestling shit. Because I was a wrestling fan, right? Um, but never was a big Chun Li fan. Um. Dalsim was cool because you can kind of get cheap with him too, with the long reach and all that shit. And his special moves are cool. Um, but when they entered, when you were able to play as the bosses, I was a Vega guy. Like, Ooh, yeah. Vega was the shit. Like just being able to like climb the cage and jump around and fucking German suplex people. Uh, right. That was cool for me. Yeah, um, Vega was definitely the person you wanted to be because much like that other ninja from Street Fighter One, he had a claw and you know he he, he had a mask and he was cool looking. Yeah. Um, and he just seemed like the kind of person that, since he spent so much time kicking your ass, you wanted to return the favor as <laughs> right. him. Yeah. And that same bowling alley that had too long a lines for me to ever play, when, when they finally got Champion Edition, the fad had died down somewhat. So I got to play plenty of Vega nice. uninterrupted there. So so that so that was cool. But um, now I hate him. Uh, not into <laughs> Vega anymore. But uh, yeah, uh, so I, initially, I kind of played in, them all. Initially, who, like, who was your go-to? Well... Like I said, I first picked Blanca because he was so unique looking. Right. And then I and then you know, you play you play Ryu and Ken type characters because they give you a good feel of the game. Like if you get used to them and get used to the game in general through them, then it makes learning the other characters easier. Right. Right? Uh but I, I kind of landed on Guile at that point because he like 
it was just something about the majesty of when you throw that slow sonic boom and walk behind it yep. and they get hit by the boom and while they're still in hit stun from the boom you give them the back fist yep. for a two hit combo like the first time i did that i was like oh how could i pick anyone else <laughs> right yeah. um it just feels so so satisfying to do that and um and that that's another thing too like to transition into like the the music aspect of it like the soundtrack like you played the opening track just the title track but these are just uh like 12 of the most memorable tracks in video games to the point that the guile theme goes with everything is a meme now <laughs> right. that people say yeah and i was in a walmart and i heard the guile theme playing on the the you know their in-store music yeah like it, it must have been like a holiday like national video game day or something because they would play like the super mario brothers theme too right. but but like it's it's that over like the song is that over um so I mean, you can hear every stage song and know exactly where it is and like who 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 it is and, and where it is that's how iconic right. those songs are maybe just gonna be played for ten thousand hours but i don't know yeah no it is it is no it, it's 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 recognizable you don't have to do ten thousand hours you just have to just have to do a few and they, they just pop up you know what i mean if like if you're a fan of video games in general and you you're consider yourself a gamer you run into street fighter stuff all the time whether you want to or not whether you're a fan or not whether you're a player or not so you know it, it's become iconic in a lot of ways all branch from street fighter 2 it kind of just it started a craze it started a, a fighting game craze you know because after this came out a bunch of more clones popped out they yep. were already working on fatal fury so i'm not going to consider that a clone even though it's, it's obviously the guy i think one of the guys from capcom left went to snk and started developing that so that would have beat street fighter 2 to the punch but um but yeah they made their own whole game and there's a whole bunch of stuff that we could talk about the history of street fighter 2 and the making of it but um just just the impact that it had and continues to have to this day is it's it's hard to believe it's been 30 years but uh but man um it, it in some ways it feels like it was just yesterday because um you know it's still here it's yep. still kind of here um so but yeah it's it's uh it's awesome to be sure it's still fun to play i mean that's the great thing about video games is you know so a lot of them still hold up um maybe not for the younger generation i don't think they'd want to go back and play like you know nes games whatever um but i don't know to me street fire just one of those iconic games that you'll always remember and you know i picked Ken, because, you know, he was just cool looking, he was blonde, you know, he's a badass, he had, the, obviously, the fireball and the uppercut, but he was another guy you can get combos on, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, lower, you know, duck, small kick, medium kick, go right into the fucking bicycle kick into the into the uppercut, like, yeah, you can get four or five hit combo on that before it was a, before it was a thing, uh, right. so, and that's hard to, hard to combat, um, but, yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget the impact that Street Fighter uh, two had on me i i didn't get into the later games um but uh like when turbo came out we'd go to a local uh, video game store and they would have their own tournaments and it'd just be kind of cool to just play against people you don't even know uh just fucking intense and people would get pissed if there was people there that didn't have a lot of skill and just kept fucking you know punching and kicking and throwing uh people it would get pretty heated uh but man those are those are good old days like that's what i love about video games is i could just I could pick up Street Fighter 2 and just remember exactly what was going on during that time. It just brings me back to a, a happy place when I was a teenager. That's what nostalgia is all about. Right. And I think um, 
Yeah, one of the one of the cool things about uh, Street Fighter is it's like, and 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 just good games in general, like whatever generation you are, like if the game is good, it's good, it's still playable, it holds up, right? Like it doesn't matter about the generation, whatever they're used to. If they if they have a half a brain in their head, doesn't matter if they're used to like fancy graphics and 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 all this other online play and stuff like that. If anybody has any level of intelligence as a gamer, and then you hand them like Super Mario Brothers, like they're gonna recognize the masterpiece of Super Mario Brothers. Right. It may not look as cool as some of the games that they have now, but they will still know just from playing it. Like, oh yeah, this is this is this feels completely responsive, and like the the design of this stuff is like everything is perfectly designed. Like it's just you know when that game came out, there were there wasn't anything like that either. Yeah. You know, similar to similar to Street Fighter Two. So Miyamoto um, was a genius. I mean, we could go on, on all day about him too. Uh, right. God damn. And a lot of these, a lot of these guys are. They just, you know, they just sat somewhere smoking cigarettes and making great games. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. Uh, but, um, but yeah. So I would recommend, like, if you guys want to play on a modern system, there's a. They have the. Uh, I think it's the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection that you can buy on PlayStation, Xbox, all those, you know, and they've got like every, it's like a, it's like a ROM of every arcade game. Yeah. So they didn't have like some of the home versions would have like different tweaks that they had to it. You know, like um, Street Fighter Alpha 3 had like uh, the PlayStation version had like, you know, world tour modes and, and extra stuff like that. So this is just ROMs of just the arcade boards. Um, uh so if you want to go and just have every Street Fighter from every Street Fighter iteration from Street Fighter 1 to Street Fighter 3 Third Strike um and you you know on sale it's probably like 20 bucks, 15 bucks or something, but even at full price I think it's like 30 bucks or something like that. So uh you know, go go relive your uh, childhood with a Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection on modern systems. Moving on to our third and final topic. Uh, again, I can't believe it's been 20 years. The 20th anniversary of WrestleMania X7 Oof. from Houston, Texas, in the Astrodome. Um, it's not my favorite WrestleMania, but a lot of people consider it to be their favorite. Uh, but a stacked card, uh, especially with the main event being Rock and Austin. Um, before we kind of break it down, were you, I'll just skip right ahead, were you a fan of Austin turning heel? At the time, no, I don't think anybody was. Um, and in retrospect, I can see how it didn't really work out. It did, uh, but if you want to take it back to your your original question about, do you think comedy has a place in? <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of comedic stuff with this heel Austin. No, we did um, with the card angle that, stuff that, was fantastic. Right? Yeah. So, it, like, it ended up working out in a way. Um. But I know Steve regrets it now, and you know a lot of other people look back on it and say they shouldn't have done it because there was still a lot of more mileage to go. Well, that's what I hear guys say. I hear guys like Bruce Pritchard or Jim Ross or whoever, whoever it is, say that they had more mileage with Steve Austin as a face, and I'm not sure they did. I feel like they kind of did everything that they could do up to that point as well. Uh, but what they didn't do, which I think Jim Ross also points out, is they didn't have any heels developed for him to go through. So it's almost like True. you had no choice but to turn him heel because nobody else was at the level that they needed to be to have the kind of programs he needed to have. 
Aligning him with Vince, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing they could have done at that point, right? Because, I mean, Vince was so hated. Uh, and they had the epic feud, which will never, ever be be duplicated, ever. You'll never, ever see anything that good again. Um, I, I guess that's the only choice that they had, was to beat the fuck out of Rock with like a chair and then, you know, shake hands <clears throat> with the devil. Yeah, in retrospect, it seems like that was the only choice they had. Now, of course it wasn't, but <laughs> right. it seems like it. Like, yeah. just, just knowing what we know now and how everything played out, you know, hindsight being what it is. Um, yeah. But I mean, w- they, they did go there. And at first I, you know, like, like a lot of people, I, I kind of, you know, farted at it, um, <laughs> yeah. as Jim Cornette might say, but, uh, but like, you know, I got, I grew to enjoy the heel Austin over time. I mean, he, he he tried very hard to get over it. I mean, just you know, beating the shit out of the Hardys with a chair, beating the shit out of Lita with a chair, which is something you couldn't even do nowadays uh, unless you're an impact. Um, and sing songs and playing guitar. <laughs> right. Uh, beating JR up in his hometown. You know, you know their best friends. Not like he really had to do some low-down shit to try to get over his heel because he's fucking Steve Austin. Uh, and he, he wasn't a you know, clean-cut, white-meat baby face to begin with. So people love that edgy, you know, Steve Austin that nobody knew what he was going to do, the rattlesnake, you know. Um, so, I mean, he really had to kind of just do some dastardly shit to try to, to get over as a heel. And it, for whatever reason, I guess just because of how beloved he was, it, it just never worked. Right. You did. I mean, when you build up a certain level of goodwill, it's hard to turn the fans against you. Right. And the reason being is because nobody believes this shit anymore. <laughs> yeah. If if people thought that this was half as real, then they wouldn't like the things that Austin was doing. But because they know that they're just playing along, they're like, ah, I'm just entertained by it, you know. And that's right. that's why the business is where it is today, um, because people just they've been hit, they've been beat over the head with it yep. that it's not real. So, you know, I'm not saying that you insult anybody. Intelligence is try to make them think it's real. Um, but just like in, in the Avengers movie or whatever, you know, Thanos doesn't say to Iron Man, he's like, I know about the real you, Robert, you know, like he doesn't do that in the movie, you know? So, uh, (laughs) the suspension of disbelief is, is, uh, you know, that's something that we're not going to get back. And you got to blame WWF for that WWE because, you know, it's 2001 at this time and, they broke kayfabe so much and had so many home videos and so many like just like behind the scenes mm-hmm. shit. Had they done this in say maybe early ninety nine, do you think it would have a different effect? Some, but it was already a wrap by then. Yeah, you know, like it, it was. You're you're just talking about a, a couple of years. Like you have to look at it in terms of when they actually just came out and admitted it, which was you know <laughs> around the early nineties. Yeah. So I don't know, but people were still marks even into the late nineties and two thousands. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. But I mean, regardless, I mean, they did it. Yeah. And here we are. So other than the main event, most people remember this pay-per-view for the, uh, the match with Edge and Christian Dudley boys and the Hardy boys, um, to this day, uh, still holds up if you go back and watch it. Uh, the innovative stuff they did with tables and ladders and chairs was just ridiculous. Um, were you into that kind of style? 
at that time, I think I just sort of was like accepting of what I was given. Uh-huh. You know, I never had to obviously look at it from the point of view of a worker at right. that point. I was just sitting on my couch watching it like everybody else. And I was kind of like, well, if that's what these guys want to do, um, <laughs> then sure. Uh, I remember I have a, a vivid memory of like two times that I physically jumped out of my chair in excitement. Um, and one of the times was when, uh, edge does the spear, I think on Jeff, when he's hanging from the, from the ladder or the, from the rings with the belts, you know, and he does that, that big spear. It wasn't at WrestleMania 17 though. When I, when I jumped out of my chair, it was on, I believe it was the first Monday night raw when they moved to the Nashville network. Mm Mm-hmm. They did that match, and they did that spot where he speared him off the ladder. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I jumped up, and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? That was crazy. And then when I saw it at WrestleMania 17, the, that's the clip that they always show from yeah. WrestleMania 17. But I was like, oh, it's that thing again I saw. And Edge before. legit knocked himself out on that one. <laughs> DDT'd himself. That was that's pretty impressive. Uh, what was the other moment that you remember that you were like, holy shit? Um, in... In 18, when Arn Anderson spine busters The Undertaker. Oh, great camera work. Came out of fucking nowhere. Didn't even know he was there. Yeah, I agree. So good. Um, but other than that, no. Uh, yeah, so like, but but yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I just looked at it as like, this is the variety, what they're doing. And it. I guess it's hard to, I, I don't remember, um, you know, intricately what was going on with the TV stuff at the time and everything. But I, I, I think at the time I just felt like, well, this was a logical progression to get to here. Um, you know, like it made sense the way they built up to it. Now it seems like they just throw gimmick matches and stipulations out any time. And I don't know if anybody really cares anymore. I certainly like they're don't. so desensitized to it in a way. I mean, we've know? seen it all, right? What else can you, what else can you do? Right. Uh, and that's and that's kind of the problem. Like it, in wrestling, kind of the problem is they have to keep ramping it up because people have seen everything. Um, it, the entire business got hot shotted. You know what I mean? Like in True. by by Russo and Ferrara in the late nineties. Like, yep. and I I don't blame those guys as much as some people do for like, um, you know, like I I don't say oh you you know you ruined wrestling or whatever like oh, a lot of these Cornette people, fucking hates WCW. it right I mean Cornette hates the fact that they hot shot the territory right and 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 hot shotting is necessary at some times and but but hot shotting was for territories because it's for like it's it's for towns and stuff that need to get their sagging attendance numbers up right. it's not for nationwide promotions <laughs> that are gonna be on and come hell or high water every single week yeah um, and what what Russo Ferrara essentially did and Roddy Piper tried to tell Vince Russo this and I don't think Russo understood like it was it was back when Roddy had a podcast you know mm-hmm. and yep. he had Russo as a guest on there I don't know if you ever heard that but I did. Yeah. he was he was trying to explain to him that whatever he called whatever Russo called crash TV was just hot shotting and that eventually um, you know if you keep going down that road you run out of everything way faster than you would if you had just you know it's okay to just have some 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 off weeks or something where it's not the most amazing week of television ever um, because you have to save something for later yeah and essentially those guys hot shotted the entire business inside it's inside of two years where they ran out of everything and 
just look at look at where we're at today like it, those guys have a hand in in where we're at now the, and he's one of the foremost complainers of how the product is now and part of it is his responsibility um because he raised the expectations of what was supposed to happen uh with what him and ed were writing and now like you burn out immediately he burned out he left no, he, he went did. to wcw because yep. he didn't want to do smackdown yep you know for the same amount of money and it's like you did it like you couldn't even with like you could not maintain that level of production um so i get why their product sucks each and every week because it's hard to just come up with stuff out of thin air but rather than keep trying to come up with crazy dumb shit like they do my suggestion would be like scale it way back and start mm-hmm. over yeah. you know yeah like that's more where the answer is but that, that that's a that's a long tangent that we didn't need to get into no true but i mean just just to kind of you know to wrap that up the pandemic was the perfect time to do that take right. three four months off retool uh you know reinvent yourself and come back even if there's not people there yet at least people will kind of miss it for a few months and be glad that it's back uh, I think operating that whole year was just, and I understand why they did it. They have TV contracts and all that and, and advertisers, but to me, that would have been a perfect time to just kind of fucking put the brakes on, retool and come back, you know, focused. Uh, but well, even that, even that, like you think about it, the WWE and Vince McMahon in particular have always had this attitude of like not wanting to be wrestling, you know, yeah. like, oh, I wouldn't dare call myself professional wrestling i'm sports entertainment pal we make movies pal like we you know we're something different than just a low-class professional wrestling organization and yet what happened in the pandemic you had all that free time you could have made uh packages vignettes mini movies anything you wanted to to get these people over uh anything but what they did which was put on wrestling matches matches. they put on wrestling matches in an empty building yeah that was that's the great sports entertainment from from these geniuses who think they're so above it they're, they're, they 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 do empty arena wrestling now you look at what ring of honor did um and and i get it they're just ring of honor and nobody probably saw this but it was very simple they would have like one or two matches per show and most and and they'd have like big long five minute packages introducing like each person and letting them talk and yep. and getting them over and stuff like that and i'm not saying that wwe just do exactly that but anything but empty arena wrestling just show off all the great production that you claim that you have and <laughs> and that you put yourself over with or show all that content that you make for the network you know give us something besides empty arena wrestling since you're so above it right and how many different times can we see selena vega and her stable come out during a fucking show and wrestle the same three people every week like yeah, I get it. We could see it as many times as it happened. That's how many times we could see it. Uh, getting back to WrestleMania X7, going back and re-watching it as a worker, is there anything that stands out? You're like, that's that's pretty fucking good. Um, I haven't watched it in a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've watched the whole thing from top to bottom since it happened. I may have. Um, I've watched certain matches from it. One thing I could say is like watching that Rock Awesome match, I was like, oh, those guys like to punch, didn't they? (laughs) My God, it's a whole match of punches. Uh, And people were into it because that's how over those guys were. Right. But you couldn't take like, uh, you know, Trent and uh, friggin' Sammy Guevara and throw them out there on on Dynamite and just have a 25 minute punching match 
like people would just be like uh what you know so it's <laughs> like it, it it hinged on those guys being as over as they were that they could get away with having such a low psychology match right yeah um you know, and and then of course the big twist at the end too is things things are very dependent on that. That's that's what I remember work wise from that. Just thinking like, man, all they did they just really just went out there and punched. That's it. Okay. Did you enjoy the stuff with Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon and Linda and you know her being comatose and her catatonic and all that? Was was that too kind of just hokey for you or was that this one? I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, let me. Shane, the one where Linda Shane with, gets out of the chair yeah, and kicks Vince. She, Shane with Linda defeated Mr. McMahon with Stephanie and Trish. Yeah, that's that's the one. <laughs> I mean, everybody's gonna remember that moment. But were you a fan of Vince just kind of making out with Trish Stratus every week? I mean, who wouldn't want to do that anyway? Uh, but it's it's the owner of the company for fuck's sake. That's that's a pretty convenient creative, wouldn't you say? Yeah, right. Goddamn pal, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna make out with Trish Stratus, and you're gonna love it. Yeah, pal. In front of my wife. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's heat, pal. Uh, I, dude, I, I don't, I, I can't put myself in the mindset of twenty-year-old me. Like, I don't remember exactly what I thought about it at the time. Yeah. I probably just thought the same thing as I did about the TLC match. Like, well, this is what they're giving me, so. <laughs> I mean, what can I do? I can tell you I was never one of those like people that was so invested in all that sports entertainment crap. Mm-hmm. Like I like I, I I wasn't like, dude, I gotta tune in next week and see what happens with <laughs> Triple H and and all those people like or, or Trish Stratus and, and Vince and like it wasn't like that, that's for sure. Um it was more just like as a creature of habit, I was like, Well, it's time to watch Raw on Monday, so I'll do it. Uh <laughs> You know, I don't remember particularly hating it. I'm sure. I'm sure current me would hate it. Oh, I'm it sure, absolutely. If you went back and watched it, you'd be like, God damn. But then again, you compare it to the stuff that they're doing now, and it's like fair. probably still way better. That's fair. Um, but Shane could go. I mean, I I was always invested in Shane McMahon as a wrestler because holy shit, uh, that that kid man did some some outlandish shit. Uh, for yes, you know, did. part yes, owner of the company had no reason to go out there and do half the stuff that he did. Uh, I mean, we're all gonna remember the Titan Tron, you know, falling off of that and shit, like all that. But when it came to WrestleMania, dude, he always seemed to put on a great show. Yep. Yeah, I can't take anything away from Shane. Well, I could take a few things away from him, but I mean, he's so, he's a he's the likable McMahon, so we don't mm-hmm. want to beat him up too much. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like you, you, you respected those guys because even you know, and even Vince, like he didn't have to do that True. stuff. So it showed that he was willing to, you know, get involved and put his money where his mouth was. Um, which I guess is on Trish Stratus's mouth, <laughs> put money in that like the million dollar man after the match. But yeah, pal. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I do give credit to them for that for for getting in there and getting their hands dirty. Um, so, but you know, at the same time, the, that's not gonna that that goodwill's not gonna get them out of you know the the uh, the the place that I hold them all in now. You know? No, nothing. I don't think anything good at that point. Uh, what about the workers match? Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. Two guys that could absolutely go any day of the week. Don't remember it. When I was looking at this card, I did not remember that match ever really? took place. Okay. And those guys had, well, those guys had several matches over the years and True. different stipulations and things. I was there in Boston um, during their, uh, I think it was a submission match or two out of three falls. I don't remember which stipulation it was. <laughs> 
Uh, but they got a standing O after the match, and it was it was it was the Royal Rumble, I think, in Boston. It was fucking fantastic. So yeah, those guys always did good business together. Right now, now to put this <clears throat> to put this in perspective for some people, um, at this point in two thousand one, Kurt Angle had been wrestling for exactly like two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mandy Rose last night. Just after eight long years, finally won a developmental championship. Put that into perspective, folks. Now, in fairness to little Mandy, nobody is Kurt Angle. No. In terms of aptitude. Very true. Um, And you'll never see anybody like him again. Like, you'll never see... Especially coming from amateur wrestling, which they had guys that did that in the past and failed, um, to be that such of a high caliber athlete uh, and to completely go against everything he was taught to not be on your back uh, and and you know being able to throw working punches, one of the best working punches you'll probably ever see, and just like you said, have the aptitude for professional wrestling, jumped right into it with a natural bumper. Uh, he got it from the get go. And was a fantastic athlete. You'll never ever see somebody like that again, ever. No, I, I don't think so. Um, there's a lot of great talents, uh, but the speed—you know—a lot of times it takes them a long time to get there. And you know, even at this, even at this stage in in his uh, in his career with Chris Benoit, um, in this match. You can see how green Kurt Angle is if you know what you're looking for. Sure. But the average person is not going to see that. And it doesn't matter because he's still like, you know, we're, we're talking two years in here now. And he's he's advanced to like almost, you know, we're talking like eight, nine years, you know, comparatively or like, you know, so so that's like. Which yeah, is usually just, what you need, like, you know, nine, ten, year ten is usually when you finally kind of get it. Uh, and everything all comes together. Uh, so yeah, you're right. He was definitely advanced for for most people. Yeah, Spaceman is trying to chastise me about not talking about Mandy's butt, but I mean that's what the Next Level Wrestling Review was that's for. Exactly right. Yeah. You weren't there. It's not my fault. You weren't there. We all know how awesome it is. It goes without um, saying. Really, you don't even need to bring it up. Everybody knows. Right. And uh, Kurt Angle, I think, has a nice butt as well. I'm not sure what I would grade it because over the years he's lost and gained certain muscle mass in certain areas. So he's leaned out. I, I wouldn't say that he has a particular nice ass at this point. I don't think. No, but that. But back in 2001, definitely probably around a seven. Yeah. I would think. Yeah, great A for sure. Um, drink a lot of yeah, milk. So milk, milk does the body good. So I mean, he, he's a big milk drinker. <laughs> right. right. So yeah, it, it would be fun to do. Like I don't know what the context would be, but it would be cool to do like a um, you know match watch along. Except instead of just watching along, I'd have to be able to like all right pause. You know, like it <laughs> right. have to be like have Break the have the YouTube thing pulled up so I can do like yeah the the uh, well uh, I was gonna say Gruden's grinders, but uh, that's maybe <laughs> yeah. not a popular can't, thing right now to can't, say. So. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, We'll we'll just go with Madden and the Telestrator. Type, there you go. Yeah, type deal. Like, Boom. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the vet is making me angry by being too gentlemanly. That's because he likes yeah. me. He doesn't fucking like Ray or Colin or any of those like, assholes. He likes that's me. What, oh yeah, he just he just wanted me to talk about Mandy. That's, that's yeah, pretty all. much. Yeah. And we did. 
we, we got it. But I will say, you were a little bit more, you know, upbeat and animated during the show as, as opposed to the next level review. I'm just, just saying, maybe it's because of who you're working with or the or, or the subject that you're talking about. Uh, I think it's the subject. Yeah, it's probably the subject. Like, like, like come on, dude. I don't want to talk about NXT. Who does, right? I didn't want to watch Nobody. it. I just, I like you and Rain. I support you guys. I don't want to fucking listen right. to you guys. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody uh, that tunes in to watch Ray and I suffer through. Uh, the, the NXT reviews, and that's why it takes so long to get to it sometimes because we really don't want to. And it's the same thing with Impact. Like, no way on earth would I ever want to watch Impact. Right. Um, but I try to make something out of it. And 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 again, that's with you guys in mind. So, you know, I, I'm very appreciative of all of you, and that's how I show my. <laughs> MSG's in the house. You ain't lying. That ain't lying. No, you ain't lying. He's watching us. No, he may lying. not be here on the Manning the Ones and Twos, but he's watching us at all times. So, um, <clears throat> yeah so like anyways back to wrestlemania yeah uh, so let's let's look at some of the rest of this card here real quick um jericho and regal had a match this was like where the, i think the first of two years that jericho opened wrestlemania mm-hmm. as a, as an intercontinental champion or fighting for an intercontinental championship was that the Euro Con- memories of this match? I don't know. I don't. Was that during like the Eurocontinental? No, that was that was Angle. Never mind. No, not yeah. one fucking. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, obviously, we know it was good. Yeah, it had to be right. Regal's fucking fantastic. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he carried that match. No, to be honest, I looking at this, I don't remember any of this shit other than the Vincent <laughs> Linda stuff because it was over the top, and you know that's kind of memorable. Uh, in the main event, in the in the the Hardys match. I, I right. don't remember Test and Eddie Guerrero. I'm sure it was a great match. Right. Uh, Kane, Raven, and Big Show in a hardcore championship match. Okay, uh, X Factor. Oh, fuck. Well, that was on the that was on Sunday that night. Was on heat, heat, I think. That was on Heat. Yeah. God, Heat used to be so uh, good too. I know, right? I miss the days uh, of that. I do remember the gimmick Battle Royal. That was that was fun with Bobby Heenan coming back. Yes, that was fun. Um, the China and Ivory thing. I remember that because yep. she did yep. that disrespectful like foot on the chest pin or something like that. Yep. Uh, uh, there was like, uh, and 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 of course the Undertaker and Triple H was. This was the one where Triple H got played out by Motorhead. Yes, 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 yes. Really good match, first, actually. Yes, yes. Yeah, for the first time, and the Undertaker was still, uh, still had long hair. Yeah, but he was doing the biker thing. And they took it to the also, crowd for a while, didn't they? Didn't they fight outside the ring for quite a while? Yes, yes. That's there was like a big bump off of something. Yes, out that's, there, that's like, what I remember. It was a big bump off a scaffold or some shit like that. Right, and um, this it was before they really started acknowledging the streak. Like it was right around mm-hmm. this time they were starting to realize, hey, wait a minute, this guy hasn't got beat. Um, so, yeah, and of course, uh, like. Uh, Big Josh says, you know, Taz APA versus the right to censor is underrated. I'll I'll uh, I'll take your word for that, Big Josh. Um, but you know, the uh, APA did have our own Stephen Richards, so that's right. Um, gotta give a shout out to Big Stevie Cool there. The right to censor um, was an underrated faction to me. Like you don't talk about heat during that time. Just just telling people to fucking do the right thing, right? Uh, that yeah. <laughs> that got him over his heels, uh, and Stevie was a big part of that. So yeah, shout out to Stevie. Yeah, it was great. Oh, and a theme song, yeah. Limp Biscuit, My Way. I, I don't want to get DMs. Right. But, uh. Yeah! This time I'm gonna let it all go out. 
That's yeah. a great fucking you didn't song. Hear right? that, if you didn't hear that song enough times, times during the buildup for this match, like, <laughs> but I the don't packages ever were, hear that song. were fantastic. Like the video packages are always great with WWE. I'll give them credit for that, even to this day. Right. That was a memorable fucking build up to to a feud, and that was a great song to to, to play on it. Yes. If you're a Limp Bizkit fan, maybe if you didn't like Limp Bizkit, then you know, fuck you. It, it, it probably wasn't going to make you a fan if you if you weren't a fan, <laughs> right? Uh, I I don't think. And uh, uh, but yeah, and and. Um, the yeah. So the promotion. Some other things about this uh, that's important to note for historical context, right? So this was the last WrestleMania under the WWF brand, mm, correct? Because they would change the following year to WWE um, after they somehow got pummeled into submission by the <laughs> that uh, the uh, animal organization. Yeah, the tree huggers. Cocksuckers. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunate. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, it, the universe tends to shake out as it should. Well, I mean, Vince um, always, you know, he loves entertainment, pal. So if he can put entertainment in the name of the company, it's perfect for him, right? Of course. And, um, you know, it's an oxymoron, of course, but, you know, fair. Nonetheless, uh, so, um, and also, just prior to this, uh, WCW was purchased. <laughs> so not enough time to like plan out something and, and pull it off um it, uh, if i remember correctly there may have been like a shot of like some random wcw wrestlers in the balcony somewhere there was uh who the fuck was there <clears throat> I, think, I think chuck palumbo was there and like you know a bunch of you know lower mid yeah all the great stars yeah chuck palumbo above average mike sanders you know <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Mike Sanders actually, Elix Skipper is. I think he's working at Applebee's now. I saw his LinkedIn profile. I think he's a. Oh wow, he's a manager there. So good for Man. him for getting work. Yeah, you think he ever like? Uh, you ever think he like runs across the top of the booths with a? <laughs> anyway, yes. Sorry, Elix. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so so this was kind of a this was this was kind of a a, a weird time for. A, for the WWF because of all this stuff going on. Yep. Um, and, but like you said at the top, this was like a very fondly remembered. It makes a lot of people's top 10 lists or top ones of uh, greatest pay-per-view events of all time. A lot of people like consider it top to bottom, the best WrestleMania card, apparently just for matches. Um, and that's, that's even including a match that China was in. <laughs> and uh, a match, a, th- a hardcore match with Kane, Raven, and Big Show. Um, so, like, I guess uh, you s- you said um, what? What would you say is your personal favorite? Because you mentioned that this wasn't it. So, if you had to say you had a favorite WrestleMania, which one would you say? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, probably because I was there, and maybe I just I have rose colored glasses, but. WrestleMania 14 was in Boston. That was my first WrestleMania that I went to, uh, which obviously had Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels in the main event. The, the birth of the Austin three, you know, Austin being the world champion. Um, you know, hardcore. Uh, what was it? Uh, New Age Outlaws against uh, Foley and, and Terry Funk in a dumpster match, whatever it was. Like I don't know. I mean, I, I have a fond memories of it. Maybe because I was I was there. Uh, you know, like. DX getting played out by the fucking band that nobody ever heard of that wrote their song was 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 pretty fucking cool. Um, so that's right up there for me. I I love WrestleMania eight. 
Uh, right. It was great. Uh, well, not not every match was great, but fuck, dude, Macho Man and Flair was a classic. Um, everybody I actually remembers. don't like that match. But Do you really not? Oh, the match itself, yeah. Like it was weird. It was a very weird match. But I, I it should have been great. Is like, that because of like the Mister Perfect involvement, or you just didn't no, like the structure? Just, no, it just it's just not good. The match itself okay. is not good. Right. But I, those guys are good. Again, yeah, I'm not a worker, you, you so I mean, as a fan, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, well, even before, even before, I, you know, just watching it as a fan, I was just like, "What? Why is this match boring?" Like, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't know. There, there's like this, this thing happened to me, uh, where when I would watch a Randy Savage match, it was like I'm staring at it, I'm watching it, mm-hmm. and yet like it's just completely going through my brain like hmm. unfiltered it's just like passing through like I, I it's almost like uh you know when you hear stories about people that think they're abducted by aliens because there's like time <laughs> missing from their life yeah you know it's like that happened to me every time i watch a macho man match and i was just like uh, and, and i'm not saying that to be funny and take a dig at the macho man <laughs> right I'm, I'm i'm literally saying that like i'd watch the match and be like okay what did i just watch i don't i don't even know what i looked at right so, now. so like macho and warrior and macho and hogan like wrestlemania 5 and and uh and, and uh, seven? uh no wrestlemania 5 that did not start to happen yet okay all right um it was some it was sometime in the early early 90s and especially in wcw where i'd watch macho man matches and just I, lose a chunk of time somewhere i can agree with that i can agree with that um what about piper and bret hart to me, it's a, it's that's a, a great match. Yeah, that's a great match. That's where, you know, when people talk about telling a story in a match, uh, it's not always as obvious. Um, but that one made it real obvious uh, what the story was. Um, right. And it was a good story. And I, I really liked it. And I'm dude, the, the, the pre-match with Piper and Brett back backstage, like that's one of the funniest things. <laughs> It's just what Piper's like, you know. I would have had know. you. No, you. Wouldn't. I remember being in the Harp house, and <laughs> I'd come downstairs, and she'd be making it's them sandwiches, throwing in that bologna. Yeah, only one piece of bologna. That's okay. Bologna. It doesn't hungry. matter. I was hungry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and then you know the whole the whole thing at the end, like you know where he's would've like, Bre- yeah, no, you wouldn't have, you know that that whole thing. Um, that that's great too. Uh, which which is and, funny because um, like me as a fan, like I'm thinking and not knowing shit now. You know, now I know like that. You know, Piper was Canadian. Um, like he's from Glasgow. What the fuck was he doing in Canada? Like he—that's he, bullshit. He wasn't at Bret Hart's house. Like I didn't fucking right. know any better, right? <laughs> like that's bullshit. Um, right. no, that's, yeah. What? What are you talking about? What's, fucking, what's yeah. he saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is also this is also the pay per view where uh, Sid Justice calls Mean Gene a, a fat, bald headed little oaf. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah, everybody remembers Warrior, obviously. The music hitting and going fucking ballistic when he comes out. Albeit smaller than he was when he left, but uh, still. With less hair. Yeah, still a great moment, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what were they thinking with that? That know. whole thing. Didn't Papa Shango come out, too? He like, did. Really weird, yeah. And, like, just, Sid kicked out of the leg. I don't know if that was, you know, on purpose or somebody fucked up. Fuck. But, um, eh, it's yeah. semantics. Uh I don't understand the finish of the first match with Shawn Michaels and Tito Santana. Like it was like a, almost like a slingshot over the top to a crossbody and a pin, and they didn't show it on replay. Did somebody fucking botch the spot? Do you remember that? I I don't remember that. Specific Go back and watch finish. that. They didn't replay the fucking finish like they normally do. Uh, it was just really really weird. Like Shawn was on the apron, uh, and he did like a slingshot, and you know Santana caught him, and all of a sudden he just kind of 
he pins him, and that was it. It wasn't a like super kick pile driver, you know, teardrop suplex, nothing. It was just a weird, weird finish to me. So get, if you get a chance, go back and watch that, and let me know what you think. Okay, I'll be sure to never do that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, Reba McIntyre. Yeah. Oh yeah, she sang the uh, national anthem or the yeah, gimmick, national right? anthem. And Bobby Heenan was all over it. Uh, <laughs> that's Tito's sister. What are you talking about? It's a Reba McIntyre. It is not <laughs> a Reba oh, McIntyre. Man. I love Bobby Heenan. Dude, him and Gorilla were so... If I remember anything during that event, it was those two together. Just fucking, like, at the top of their game. Yeah, bo- there, Yeah, talk about there will never be another. No. Fuck, Bobby Heenan? Yeah. Jesus. Not even close. Mm. Nothing even close. Jerry Lawler was a poor man's Bobby Heenan, but nobody will ever come close to what Bobby was able to do at all. No, that that guy's amazing. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, WrestleMania eight, good pick. Uh, is that your or or well, you were at fourteen. What are your memories of being there? Was it pretty damn electric? When it was, uh, dude. Yeah, when that glass fucking broke, I've never heard a pop so loud in my life. Like any Stone Cold pop during like ninety eight. 97 to 99, just, I, I saw it in your house, DX in your house in Springfield. Uh, I think Austin took on the rock and he came down in the fucking black pickup truck. When that glass broke, dude, the fucking place exploded. And it's just, a, it's a feeling that I don't think I'll ever feel again. Uh, and it's just so hard to describe unless you're actually there to hear it. Uh, but yeah, the electricity in that building, especially during 14, uh, with Sean, nobody really knowing how injured Sean was. And I was pretty up high, so I couldn't see the expressions on his face, uh, how much pain he was, you know, supposedly in. Uh, but to put on the match that he did, pretty remarkable. Uh, but yeah, that that building was just fucking the Fleet Center. At that time was just was, was rocking, dude. It was it was it's just being in a WrestleMania. There's there's nothing like it. And now maybe not the same feeling, uh, but back then there was nothing like it. Oh, imagine uh, the city of Boston going nuts for some skinhead in leather. I, I couldn't imagine yeah, why. That's, that's right. Um, is it? Even Sonny coming on the beginning with the new LOD, like with the fucking the new outfit. Oh, my you... God. Peak Sonny. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That is that is the pinnacle of Sonny right there. Yep. LOD it. Sonny. Yep. Absolutely. But So, yeah, I mean, going back and watching it again, yeah, Undertaker Kane was pretty fucking badass. I will say that. Like, the entrances alone. Uh, yeah, yeah. were pretty fantastic. And that was the first match that they had uh, together. Mm-hmm. And uh, just seeing Taker, I think yeah, that was even the first time he may have leapt over the top rope without touching it. Um, it just... And certainly Kane's first match as that character, right? Yes, I believe pretty so. Pretty much, right? Yeah, because like Paul Bearer was building it up for fucking months and mm-hmm. months and months. Um, and Taker never wanted to fight him. So that was yeah the first time they got together. Just and any time you get Undertaker there with with his entrance, doesn't matter where it is, even at a fucking house show, uh, there was nothing like it, man. So, and I was there at WrestleMania twenty seven in Atlanta, even though that card sucked. They had the worst match of all time with Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, um, Stone Cold. Or um, we tri- were having such a nice show, yeah, Robin, and you you reminded people that exists. Triple H and Taker two for WrestleMania was was. It was pretty good. It was, it was really, really good. So, um, not the best WrestleMania, but those are the two that I've been to. But if I really had to like say my favorite is just for nostalgia reasons, uh, it would be eight. What Eight's about you? A good one. 
Um, I don't know. I don't like WrestleMania, Rob. I don't. I don't like I any don't, of them. No. Okay. That's, None. No. Uh. I, I, all right. I well, let's sit for tonight. Thanks for coming here, <laughs> Vet. Uh. uh. You're welcome. Uh. <laughs> let me think about that. I mean, I, I, I would have to say, dude. Uh. Five has a big, um, a big place in my heart, my cold icy heart, uh, because <laughs> that's. When I was really getting into wrestling mm-hmm. at that age, okay. I had already been into wrestling for years at that point, but this is where I actually had a, a taped off of pay-per-view copy that I could watch as many times as I want. Yeah, me too. Um, that was the first one I and, saw live on pay-per-view. Yeah. And I, and so, I, like, watching that and SummerSlam 88, um, you know, those ones, like, I just kept watching those over and over again. And there's a lot of good stuff on WrestleMania five, And... I'll point this out because it's a weird thing I noticed. But so you remember in WrestleMania five, they had the Piper's pit. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like three little segments in it and uh, brother love comes out and Morton Downey Jr. Comes out and then Roddy Piper comes out and there's a, there's a scene where um, Piper grabs the kilt that brother love is wearing and rips it off. And you know, he's got, not tidy whities but tidy reddies on underneath <laughs> yep. and he runs up the he you know brother love runs up the aisle like trying to cover himself uh with his little red panties on and whatever and and then he's gone and then it's down to to piper and downey jr um but when you watch those on the network or now peacock or whatever or even on home video releases, like when they released that big DVD box set mm-hmm. of all the WrestleManias and stuff, that scene where like one minute Brother Love's in the ring and the next he's not, they never show him get pantsed. No shit. Um, yeah, and I don't know why, because it wasn't really anything objectionable. Right. Uh, you know, nobody wants to see Bruce Pritchard without pants. I know that, but yeah. that is not enough of a reason to go through and like scrub it from existence. So now if like people are going back and watching these things and that's what I don't like, I don't like people thinking they can be like the, the curators of history. Like, dude, if it happened, it happened. Just, yeah. it doesn't, you don't have to love it, but you know, just if nothing else, leave stuff in as a cautionary tale or something. Don't try to act like you were perfect. You know, put up a warning beforehand or, or whatever. Yeah, something. I, I, something. I hate revisionist just, history, and especially with WrestleMania six, uh, with Piper in, in half blackface. Right. You know, that's, which that that's you know, it, at the time was weird, but we didn't think anything of it. You know what I mean? Right. And he was making a point with it that's like, <laughs> you know, specifically not racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point that he's trying to make. <clears throat> right. Um, but, but whatever, like just, I don't know, man. Uh, but, but, uh, so, so, so that's a weird little tidbit about WrestleMania five. Like if you watch any versions of it now, it's going to miss brother love, like running up the aisle with his little red panties on, but unfortunate. um, it's, it's fortunate and unfortunate (laughs) at the same time. Um, but yeah, I watched that so many times. Uh, I, I loved it. Uh, wasn't that the one too, where Ronnie Garvin was like the guest ring announcer? Uh, that was SummerSlam '89. That was SummerSlam '89. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but that was Ronnie Garvin that had was... a match at WrestleMania Five, though, did he not? Uh, it was probably some terrible against Dino Bravo or something. Probably. Right? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember him wrestling. I remember Haku and Hercules in the opener. Yep. Uh, and Howard Finkel fucked up and called him King Tonga, which got edited out <laughs> later on. That's right. Yeah, he did do yeah, that. He did. And if you didn't watch it live, you wouldn't know that because they edited that out too. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember yeah. Run DMC was 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 pretty dope. WrestleMania, WrestleMania rap. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mr. Perfect took on the Blue Blazer, I believe. Yes. Yes. Owen Hart's Blue first Blazer, WrestleMania. So awesome. Yes, he was. He was very good. I remember them like I every, love the Blue Blazer every week trying to figure out who he is. Like <laughs> Jesse would figure try to figure out who it is, or Bobby Heenan would try to figure out who it is, uh, and we didn't know until you know years later. Now when you see it, and you right. see his big ass nose, and you're like, oh fuck, yeah, that's Owen Hart. Uh, but uh, you want to talk about a guy that was innovative, uh, even back then, could wrestle his fucking ass off, dude. Like he was, he had a lot of you know a lot of Japanese influence and all that. Um, you know, doing tours over there. Oh, I love the Blue Blazer. I was a big fan. Uh, Red Rooster, I think he was there at some point. Yeah, that's the one where um, he got a singles match with Bobby Heenan. Oh, that's right, and the Brooklyn Brawler. And and Bobby Heenan interfered in that uh, match with the Warrior so that Rick Rude could win the Intercontinental Championship, and then the Warrior immediately went after him and splashed him and busted his ribs. So then oh, yeah. he goes into the Terry Taylor match with the hurt ribs. Bumping and like, like crazy, As soon too. as the bell rings, yeah. this is where Bobby Heenan is so good, uh, almost too good, mm-hmm. like... Because when he when the bell rings, he just cowers in the corner, and <laughs> that almost makes you too sympathetic towards him. Like you almost True. feel bad about him getting his ass kicked. Like you at know that you're going to get so that, in that way. Him. He was too good, right? Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I'd Bump. rather he be too good than not good enough. But he bumped his ass sure. off for that with with fucked up ribs. Like he took a couple of good shots in the in the, in the turnbuckles. Um, yeah. Well, Bobby Heenan used to be a good wrestler, legendary bumper, but, dude. But I mean, look at him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no one's going to believe him being, like, a superstar wrestler, but, <laughs> True. but like, he was really good in the ring. You know who else was good? Like, I love the matches going back and watching them later. Uh, Mr. Fuji. Oh, my God. Mr. Fuji and Tanaka as a yep. tag team. Yep. Um, Fuji was so good. So good. He didn't even do nothing. But that's why to. he was good. Yeah. Yeah. Less is he more. Would do that. He would do the thing where, like, he, you know, the you push him to the ropes and go for the break, and then he's like, he gives a clean break, and it's like, <laughs> ah, look, I'm very sportsmanlike. Yeah. And then, you know, next time it happens, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's great. Um, yeah, Fuji was great. And just for the record, yes, uh, Dino Bravo defeated Ronnie Garvin he in did, three actually. minutes and six seconds. <laughs> you called it. Yeah, you called it. Fuck. Unfortunate. Yeah. Dino Bravo is the worst wrestler who ever lived. I'm just. He's pretty bad. He's pretty bad. He's there's nobody worse than him. Built like I'd a rather watch. House, so. I'd rather watch Anna J. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> have, no, no, have an Iron Woman match. No, you wouldn't. With uh, Big Swole. Um, Big Swole, one of the before, hottest prospects when I signed her, and hasn't done before anything. Before I watch Dino Bravo match ever again, <laughs> I will watch any of those. See, that's uh, how I feel about Terry Taylor. Like I didn't think he was good at all and i know he's got a great mind for the business but like i just wasn't invested in him at all and maybe it was just his characters that he played over the he years was, he was okay he's a good hand but right? a but, lot of what he was doing was just like light rick flair <laughs> yeah pretty much you know so but anyway yeah so wrestlemania 17 that, <laughs> yeah uh, so uh yeah it's still kind of wrap it up, up on wrestlemania 17 yep. still holds up after 20 years great show uh dude i could talk to you all night uh and i know that uh, you have limited time because ray took it all this morning so uh candace baseman's been yeah because that's how time works no <laughs> that's how time works there was, there was nothing between nxt review and this show so i get i gave ray all my time and i you ran did. out that's for it you, you don't have any more time that's 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 all there is uh well that's that's fine 
Where can we find you on social media and uh, all the many other podcasts? Because you are a podcast whore. Uh, if there's a podcast out there and you want Vet to do it, just call 1-900-737-4-VET and he will do your show. Now, wait a minute. Whores get paid well. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, but that's but fair. that's the thing. It's not that I will do everybody's podcast. It's only that the people that I do that ask me to do their podcasts, I love and respect so much that I just have to do so many. Really, even, um, even me, even especially Rob. Man, that's, you know, that's that's that says a lot. You know, it's it's well, pull, pulling back the 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 curtain a little bit. You know, I get a message from Rob saying. Vet, I need you on Wednesday. Like, come on, how does it, you know how to make a girl feel wanted? So that's true. Um, so yeah, when you phrase it like that, you know, you didn't say, "Can you join me?" or "Would you like to?" Is I need you and no one else. I was like, "God damn it, Rob must have a project in mind." And that's then right. he's like, "Ah, eh, we'll talk about whatever you want." I was like, "Oh well, okay." Uh, hey, I had to I bring in the big guns. Ratings are down. Uh, I know you say you don't bring ratings to next level, but I mean, you bring ratings. Pretty much everywhere what? else you go. Maybe it's Ray. It's got to be fucking. Why do you everywhere. get? Why, why, why does Crown Jewel Review get all these views with not me on it? I mean, it's obviously you guys are the the draws, right? So I'm just I'm just lucky to be hanging out, and I do love talking about all this stuff because a lot of the stuff that's in your wheelhouse, Rob, is the same stuff that that's I true. love to talk about, but I just don't necessarily have the platform. So, well, you've been offered a semi-consistent, maybe you know, full-time kind of host co-host thing, but you know. Whenever you're so, available, uh, you know you right. can just come back anytime. I think I think it it, it uh, they can't miss me if I don't go away type thing. <laughs> right, so yeah. so I, I I I I'm an attraction, I guess. You are. Uh, no, that's right. No, that's right. Know. That's why I brought you in. That's right. You are the Brock Lesnar of HMG podcast. Oh, thank you, and, and with with all humility, uh, I am. But um, I, I will just say that uh, I did have a lot of fun, and I continue to have fun everywhere I go. That's that's what I try to do. So those places will be the next level wrestling review podcast, like you saw this morning at Rad Rob. It's nice enough to join us there. Um, you can see me every week on the Impact Attack, which is usually on late late Monday nights, early Tuesday mornings, because Colin has to make pizzas. Um, so that's where you'll see me come and uh, if you miss our latest episode where we celebrated Moose's championship win, um, that was a fun, a fun, uh, time. And we'll be talking more about Moose, of course, every Monday night. Uh, I just recorded another episode of Destino, uh, a new Japan pro wrestling podcast with, uh, Dr. Michael Jargo. We always have a great time talking about, uh, New Japan, and we covered the G1 this year and kind of everything in it and gave our takes on the performers. Um, and um, I'm right here sometimes with Red Rob, which is always a, a, a fun time on the on the Rewind. Uh, so glad to be here and at Opinion Haver on all social media anywhere. So if you're not following me, go ahead and do that. I'm not going to blow up your timeline with a bunch of frivolous tweets or retweets and stuff like that. I, you know, keep it pretty mild. So it's a safe follow. You're very strategic when it comes to your tweets. I have I have noticed that. Uh, you don't say anything unless it's really important. Yeah, my strategy is don't be on Twitter. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And he's not on Facebook, I mean, so stop fucking looking for him. He's not there. God damn. <laughs> Facebook did me wrong. Yeah, like they've done so many others. Done a lot and, of us uh, wrong. Yes, they have. Uh, you guys can follow me everywhere at Rad Rob Gaming. I'm also a Twitch gaming streamer, which we got to do. You, you, want, you mentioned doing a... Uh, 
a co-project with some Twitch streams, do some gaming stuff. We'll have to. Sure. What what what, what do you like to play, Rob? What are you playing these days? Typically, right now, because I don't know, a lot of people like watching it, I play Super Mario Maker Two uh, for mm-hmm. the Switch. So I'm I'm big into because I mean I'm a Mario freak anyway from '85. But uh, yeah, that's what I play now. I like uh, Splinter Cell games. I like sports games. I mean, I can pretty much play anything. What What are you into? Um, I don't know. Video games are weird for me now because it's it's like they have to be a kind of a game usually that I'm doing while I'm multitasking. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it. a game I'm going to be paying attention to and focusing a lot. Like I've been playing a lot of Dead by Daylight recently because mm-hmm. um, I can just kind of veg out or whatever and put something else on the other screen to watch um, or listen to while I'm doing that. Or uh, uh, what else do I play? Were you a Halo guy back in the day? No, I don't play shooters really. You don't? Okay. I, I, did, I, did, I do. I'll play the ones like the, uh, the new Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't play the new Doom, but the 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 one before that, uh, before Doom Eternal, <laughs> I picked that one up, and I played the the Wolfenstein games that came out like like those ones, like those were those were single player only, and you know like so I played through those because they were kind of fun, and Resident Evil Seven and Eight, you know I guess are technically first person shooters, yeah, uh, but I'm not in that whole Call of Duty, I'm not either, uh, Halo. Uh, Battlefield, uh, Fortnite. Um, not gonna be doing any PUBG. Yeah, sorry, not gonna, not gonna be playing any of those type of games. Um, we'll have to get together and think of something we could play, either co-op or, or versus something that would would be fun. We'll have to I'll have to put some thought into that. We could play Street Fighter Two. Oh fuck yeah, pal! Well, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Or Mortal Kombat. Were you Mortal Kombat guy? Um, some I have Mortal Kombat Eleven. Did you play Mortal Kombat Eleven? I haven't played it yet. No. Did you watch the Mortal Kombat movie? Yes. Okay. Both of, both of them. Uh, the new one. Yeah, no, yeah, I watched them, but I watched both movies. Yeah. Okay, so it was horrible, right? Like I'm not just much, speaking yeah. out of school. Yeah. Like okay, and then you you see a, mo- a game like Mortal Kombat 11, and they put the story mode in that game, and you're like, "Fuck, that's all they needed to do, dude!" Like, <laughs> yeah. there's your Mortal Kombat movie. This right. shit is awesome. Mortal Kombat 11 is awesome. If you guys haven't played through the story mode of that. It is fucking great. It's a love letter to the entire franchise, and it's cool. And the game has like RoboCop and Rambo in it and shit. So yeah, you can't beat that. And Terminator. And Terminator. So yeah, maybe we'll do some fighting games. That that we'll, we'll figure something out. Or like we'll you figure know, something out. Streets of Rage or some shit like that. I like to. Pl- you have Streets of Rage four. I do. Okay, that's one that we could do. I guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, we we could do all kinds of. Uh, we can do all kinds of stuff. It, 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 the wackier, the better. It's, it's probably be fun to play a, a wacky game that nobody would expect, right? So okay. we'll, we'll see what we have. All right. Uh, in any event, uh, I was plugging my Twitch channel and it got off, off track. Uh, Twitch.tv slash RadRobGaming. Every Tuesday night and Thursday night, uh, Tuesday night and Saturday night, 6 p.m. Central. Uh, I have 7,000 podcasts that I do, according uh, to uh, Ray, I think is what he said this morning, or 2,600, or I forgot what he said. Uh, the Atari 2600 podcast. Yeah, right. um, I have RTW main event, my comedy show with uh, Dr. Ocho. That drops every Thursday. Anywhere podcasts are found. This right here on Hameen Media Group and anywhere podcasts are found. RTW Rewind drops on Sundays. I have the dork side of the ring with Husey from It's Husey Hello. That drops every Saturday. Uh, I have Straight Up 5, my bowling podcast. Are you a bowling fan? I know you said you, you bowled back in the day. Do you... Uh, 
<laughs> no, 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 no. My mother bowled. Ah, your mother. And I okay. went to the alley to play video games. <laughs> I gotcha. All right, my bad. Not uh, a bowler. I was reading too much into that. Uh, I have a bowling podcast with Johnny Petraglia Jr. Uh, and Dr. Ocho. So if you don't know a lot about bowling and you want to learn about it, just want to listen to great conversation, it's probably the best show that I do. Uh, that drops every Friday. Uncancel with Drake Wirtz, former WWE NXT referee Drake Wirtz, who is fired because of his beliefs. Uh, we do a show every Friday, ad-supported uh, on uh, all the major podcast platforms. If you want to check us out on Patreon, ad-free and early on Tuesdays. In video form, you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, that is our, uh, it's a religious, libertarian, Republican-ish kind of uh, podcast. Nothing uh, that that vet would ever listen to, but, uh, but that, you know, that's, Correct. that's fine. Uh, <laughs> and I have, uh, God, what the fuck else? Oh, I have a new project coming up, dropping November 4th with Brad Shepard. It's Brad Shepard Unleashed. Brad Shepard, the heat magnet from Twitter uh, and social media. Uh, he'll be uh, getting a live mic, and you never know what he's going to say. Uh, and he will be absolutely unscripted and unleashed. So that drops right here on the Mean Media Group starting November 4th. Brad Shepard and I. Brad Shepard Unleashed. So definitely check that out. Uh, great having you here, Vet. Always fun talking to you. I could, we could talk about anything. So we'll have to come up with some more subjects. Obviously, we're huge gamers, and we seem to have a lot of fun talking about that, too. So pick some video game topics you might want to talk about. Go ahead, and okay. uh, we'll, we'll chop that up whenever you have time. Uh, but uh, you are just a wealth of information, and you are a national treasure, especially to everyone here at Hameen Media Group. You're a Rip Rogers guy, so you were trained right. Uh, oh, and, and, and although you don't like Big Ray, he's, 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 he's okay. He's all now, right. Now, wait a minute. I like Big Ray. Uh, see, I'm going to clip, I'm gonna like clip Big that. Ray. I'm going to have to clip that so he can put it in his roadcaster so he can play that every Wednesday. <laughs> Uh, you said it. That's it. It's, it's going it. to. Too. It's on tape. You can't get rid of it. It's here forever. You said it. Yeah. Then I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> Everybody here in chat, thanks for hanging out. Uh, Canada Space Band, Sonic, uh, Medium 5, Lizbeth. Uh, we, we appreciate everybody here, all of our loyal HMG army. Uh, I don't know when this will be back because I do shows sporadically because I have so much going on. Uh, but I do appreciate you guys listening to the show and watching here on Hameen Media Group on YouTube, and we will see you whenever I feel like putting out another show. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of RTW Rewind. For all the latest news and announcements, please follow us on Twitter at RTW Brand. You can also follow Rad Rob at Rad Rob Gaming. You've been listening to RTW Rewind exclusively here on HMG and the Rad Rob Radio Network.